Albuquerque's macro aggression, Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. Wednesday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM1600, KIVA, BQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500 here on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon, March the 9th. Glad to be here with you. We've got a lot of ground to cover as always. And, you know, I always like to kind of look at things as I'm catching up at everything. And I realize, like, I'm very, you know, circumspect. I'm always trying to put all the pieces together, trying to figure out, you know, what's going where, how it's all working. You know, there is sort of a global puzzle out there, ladies and gentlemen. And I think we try to, you know, assemble and put that together each and every single day right here in the Kiva. And, um, you know, part of that is, hey, what's going on with China and Taiwan? What's going on with, you know, uh, obviously the Ukraine and Russia? And then how does it impact you and the markets here? And, you know, the market also includes oil and gas and all these things. And we start to, you know, really try to kind of put it together and, you know, the world is, is coming apart one day, the next day it uh, seems to be put back together. And we're reacting emotionally and we're reacting mentally, uh, obviously intellectually, uh, to many of these things uh, that are happening. And, you know, what's nice is that you get to go ahead and talk about these things each and every single day right here in the Kiva. And that, that's the good thing. And these are people, uh, Dowd and myself, who get to spend uh, an inordinate amount of time. And by that, I mean a lot more than you on many of these things that uh, are out there and reading and going through articles and kind of going in depth. And, you know, Dowd and I have spent a lot of time since Rush Limbaugh has died. And, you know, I, I labeled everything. And I'm sure Dowd's probably trying to figure out the rhyme or reason at some point of what it is that, you know, I do is I do. And I look at him, you know, I have yet to even see Dowd uh, in person uh, at all uh, this year. And, you know, a lot of you have kept your social distance, whatever. We're not doing that. It's just like, he doesn't need to commute and we're able to get done what we need to get done uh, here in the Kiva each and every single day. But I, I want to impress upon you just how incredibly important it is to listen and not listen for what you're looking for, but listen for information and try to discern and decipher the information that's there and then come up with your own behaviors. Not everyone's going to be the same and that's a good thing. There shouldn't be a herd mentality. There shouldn't be everybody reacting in one particular way. And when fear or emotion or even mental anguish is induced in a population as what is being worked on with you right now from various sorts of media. And I don't need to criticize the media. I think it's unnecessary. Uh, many talk show hosts do. We, we know where they are. We know what they're doing. It's just a, it's a waste of breath. It's a waste of time. It's, it's up to you to take control of you and your family. Only you can be responsible for you and your actions. And that is the independent spirit of what this country was founded upon. The self-preservation, your ability to go ahead and preserve your ability to protect yourself, your ability to, your, uh, your, your ability to uh, that is, of course, the second amendment, your, your ability to express and believe the way that you want. Let's not forget that right now because the herds are being carried to and fro in every direction. And I don't like that. That's the part that really sort of bother, bothers me is there's way too much uh, Red Rover, Red Rover going on, you know, where I'm wearing this jersey, you're wearing that jersey, okay? And that allows me in this space during this time 
with Dowd and as you as listeners and we're in your ear and I, we appreciate the opportunity for you to listen to us, okay? And it's really, really, really critical that, that you understand that we appreciate and are very uh, gracious as you uh, have all been uh, during this time. We've been attacked, we've been hit, we've been, you know, we don't represent any one particular group. I don't represent the Republican Party, for, for example. Uh, you know, you can't put any labels or brands or any of these types of things you know, on me. So I, I want to uh, indeed impress upon you not for not to forget your independent American spirit during this time and take a step back or two or three because there are going to be, I will tell you that there are things going to be, be happening and there's little things that you can do and in terms of uh, helping yourself and that is for you to be proactive, okay? Because what you don't want to do during this time, and many of you are doing it, and I'm seeing it everywhere, is you're being reactive. There's no sense in being reactive. I am as disappointed as you are that at the end of the COVID, we get, uh, you know, ostensibly, potentially a World War III. I, I'm in the same emotional boat as you, okay? I'm relating to you, okay? I'm connecting with you. I've been here. I've been fighting. I've been up there for change. We've gathered in peach MLG. We've been critical of the government, like far before it was, you know, in fashion to be during an election year, I'm finally going to be stepping up to the plate. I mean, where were these candidates? Where were these people stepping up to the plate against Michelle Lujan Grisham? They're nowhere. You know that. I know that. Like it's, it's not a secret. We know that they're running for a position and that's fine. That's cool. Okay. That's what you do. Okay. And all of a sudden you've got this sort of Oh, I did it first. I did it first. Like Representative Yvette Harrell came out today. It's like, oh, I, I was first. Uh, she, she, she got my idea first. And then you got Greg Baca. I'm calling for an extraordinary session. Like, it's all very reactive. It's all very reactive. Okay. I urge you not to follow the way of your leaders because if they would have led you in the right way in the first place, we wouldn't be at this particular position. Okay. You know that. You know that. The best way to go ahead and deal with much of this stuff that's in front of us is for you, you have all the power. You as people who go to work, come home, have families, have incomes, have a life, okay? They're fighting for your attention. They're fighting for your support, okay? Let's, let's not forget that. Your independence, your person, you, your choices, you're not part of a herd, you're not part of a gang, you're not part of a mafia, you are an American. Understand what that means, okay? So when I express my dissent towards the president, that doesn't make me un-American. That is preserved within the First Amendment, okay? So when they come knocking on my door, you don't, you don't support the president? No, I don't support the president. Just like they didn't support the president during this entire time, and they were well within their rights to do it. But now we have actual results. We have facts. We have things that have now stood out to us. And we realize, yes, I'm sorry for you, but Trump was right all along. Okay. Now, does it help me to go back into the annals and replay the audio and say, oh, see, we're right. We're right. Oh yeah. That, does it help me to go ahead and start around? See, see, we were right. We're in the midst of conflict right now. That, that serves nobody. That serves you, nobody out there. Okay. To go ahead and start ego tripping. And that's what, that's all this is. That's all this is, okay? In order to be ego-tripping, he who wins, right, has the spoils, right? You get to rewrite history however you want. And I got to tell you, the conservatives are pretty upset about that. But they lost. And their time 
for supporting the president was prior to the election. Okay. Not coming out replaying stuff and saying, oh, yeah, see, see, we had it right all along. If these liberals, these, that, that really helps because we're all in the same boat. We're, we're Americans. Okay. <laughs> we can have our descendant. We can have our family, uh, you know, fights and uh, et cetera, et cetera. So let's, let's really, really kind of focus on that. Okay. Now, yesterday I thought was a really good show from another standpoint. I don't generally ever have enough time to listen. Okay. And I think that you're getting the gist of my emotions. And this is an important date for me, this day, 3-9. You know, we, I've, I've been talking about it. I talk about 322. I talk about 224. I talk about, obviously, 313 uh, for various reasons through COVID. Those dates, those numbers, those are the things to pay attention to. There's something that's happening that is beyond all of you, okay? Now, when you're all entrenched and, you know, sort of uh, ripped up into this, uh, financial system of which it's digitized, of which uh, you are now vulnerable and there will no doubt be a cyber attack because they're all giving you, they're all giving you these, these sort of uh, clues. They're letting you know, well, we can get to you. We can get to your bank accounts. Certainly Canada showed us that. Certainly they're seeing what's happening right now in the Ukraine. Okay. They're letting you know, they telegraph and it's a form of power that they have over you. Okay. And it's important. And I pay a lot of attention to that. Remember, I'm sort of like straddling the crazy over there and then straddling sort of the practical political over here. Okay. And I'm sort of marrying the two when I'm giving you, and I'm, I'm really getting into the mechanics of all this and, and you know, no person is like me. And there's not one person out there that's, that, that's like me that can do what I'm doing. That's been in touch. It's listening to the amount of talk radio. I don't read as much as doubt, not, not one Tenth as much as doubt right now. Okay. I'm just not in that, that mode right now. But what I am doing is I'm talking to everyone. I'm seeing everything. And when I impart this information to you, take it for what it's worth. If it speaks to you in some way, use it for the way that you need to use it and then move on and make your decisions. This is a time where you're going to need some help and you guys are connecting to this during this time. Okay. I've been through a lot. You've been through a lot, but who cares? We're here today. We're survivors. We're here. I was laughing at Dennis Dolmes Roski. I'm like, where the hell you been? I thought you, I thought you succumbed to COVID-19. I thought you finally caved, bro. I thought that, that was it. You stayed home. You cowered. You, you didn't, you, there's no way you're going to get the shot or you did get the shot or you died from the shot or you, you died from COVID. Everyone's got their story. Nobody cares. No one cares. And none of us are in this together. There's never been more separation between people than there has been right now. No one person will sacrifice themselves. Hell, America won't sacrifice itself to go ahead and help a Ukrainian. We're not, we're not about to drive any faster on the road. We're not about to consume any more gas. We're not about to get our asses up off the couch and help the Ukraine. Don't kid yourself, folks. And you're not going back to work. You're not going to go ahead and have this new spree. Oh, we got a fighting spirit. We're going to gather. We're going to wrap. Stop, 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 stop. Just relax. It's all going to be okay. I'll tell you what's going to happen. And then you proceed the way that it's going to go. Now that now, now we're in this entire completely avoidable uh, predicament, now totally unavoidable. And there becomes this point, okay? And I'm speaking very abstract for those of you who can stay with me, as many of you had for so long in the way that I speak, a little bit esoterically. 
you move into this position. And if you're on a chessboard, suddenly you're sort of funneled into this position where, you know, the castle and the queen, they've, no matter which way you move, it's done. It's cooked. It's done. And that's a hell of a preamble to the declarative sentence that I'm about to make to you. And I want you to understand it is done. Putin has won. Russia has won. It is over. Period. There isn't going to be saving the Ukraine. There's a list of demands that have been issued. Those issues, those, those, those demands that have been issued, if we don't agree to them, you will pulverize 100,000, 200,000, 500,000 Ukrainians until you give in. It's a zero-sum game of which we've lost all of it and they've gained all of it. Give back the Crimea. Acknowledge in your constitution, Ukraine, that you are now neutral. Understand the game is over and you don't have NATO support and you don't have the United States support. Understand that everybody is more interested in their creature comforts and they don't give a crap about the Ukraine. And if that is too much for you to ingest, then maybe you virtue signaled one too many times. Maybe you've thought to yourself, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, I can get behind that. I'm willing to pay five, six, all these Hollywood types. Is it the night, late night show guys? And they're saying, oh, I'm willing to pay six, seven, eight, nine dollars. And then he's like, I drive a Tesla. I'm like, that's perfect. Exactly right. We don't need to spend a dollar on Ukraine. We don't need to spend a dollar on international relations. Whatever happened to the, we need to stop being the world's policemen. I have yet to hear that. We're not the police. We're on the wrong side of history here now. And folks, if you were to look at a pendulum and look where the United States is right now, it is on the wrong side of this particular argument. We presented the information directly from John Mearsheimer. Okay. This is math. When someone tells you this is math, it tells you there's additions and subtractions. When someone gives you a P&L statement, you can tell if the company's profitable or it's losing. Like you don't need any further explanation. If you were to line everything up, you can listen to all the propaganda from all the other people. Let, let me save you some time. Waste no time. Don't go to NBC, CBS, ABC. Don't go to Fox News. Don't go to any of these conspiratorial groups that are coming from the left or the right. Focus on yourself. Hear it. If it speaks to you and you ingest it, it's good. Make your decisions for you and your family and yourself. I got off the phone with Langston Bowens earlier today. And Langston reached out. You know, I gave him a Prius. And, uh, he says, it's very fortuitous. I was like, well, Langston, it had everything that you needed right there. You can get around and do what you need to do. And let me say this about Langston. Langston's on his second child, had two babies. And his dad picked up the phone and gave him a call. Never spoke to him about his military service or anything. And I said, you know, Langston, sometimes just, you don't have to be right there. All it does is just take for you to listen. Some people just want to be heard. People are going through things. They finally want to share. They're at this point. This is the point of opportunity where people will start changing. You might remember Langston's father was uh, head of the NAACP in uh, Michigan, in Detroit, I believe, Michigan. Pretty incredible for him to kind of sort of take that other side and move to the other side of things and say, okay, well, I'm going to be a conservative. You might remember one of the reasons I picked Langston was because he was the only Republican of the young Republicans over at the University of New Mexico who supported Donald Trump. 
One of the great things about Langston too is he trusted his gut and he was rewarded. And he still speaks to me about how much he enjoyed his time here at the radio station. And he still has great respect for me and he still looks up to me. And you know what? I corrected him when he said, hey, when I used to work for you, and I said, no, no, you never worked for me. We worked with each other. I want you to think about that as we think about each other in all this. I'm not above you. You're not above me. We're with each other all the way. That's what makes America, America. E pluribus unum. You need to repeat these things to yourself. It's on your cash that you no longer hold. It's on the documents that you've signed. It's on every single thing here in America. And, and, and what America lacks now more than anything is integrity. Intellectual integrity, moral integrity. You're not who you say you are. You're running around virtue signaling because inside you're just this hollow chocolate bunny. You have to virtue signal. You are not that person. You don't need to claim or make a big speech about what you've done and who you've done it with and where you've gone and where, what you're going to do tomorrow and how are you going to go ahead and take things over? We're going to take back your, We're going to take back the state. We're going to take back the country. Gonna... No, stop. Country is on fire. World's on fire. You have no control. And Vladimir Putin is laughing as he realizes. Let me repeat this to you. It is over. Russia has won. Period. Everything we do past this point of today. Right? Should we say it again? Like yesterday, it's all vanity. It's all misfirings is all you're going to see past this point. Nothing good can happen after today with regard to this conflict. Period. Okay? Zelensky, he's gonna, he should take that deal. The only people that can make him not take that deal are the Americans. And you're seeing that undertow sort of, or this uh, under... Uh, current sort of uh, speaking up. So we're going to talk about that uh, when we return. We've got uh, lots of Ukrainian news uh, to speak about. Uh, hour three is going to be uh, Rebecca Dow. She's going to be actually physically coming into the radio station. So that's uh, that's interesting. So that's good. And uh, let's check in uh, with D. Dowd Muska right here in the Kiva. Dowd, how are you? Uh, I'm well, Mr. Uh, Mr. Aragon. Very interesting monologue, opening monologue today. I really, uh, I often take direct quotes, but I think Lack of intellectual and moral integrity in our country is, uh, that's the one that stood out the most to me uh, so far in our, in our, our Wednesday show. Uh, speaking of candidate Dow, one of her friends, uh, Santa Fe, New Mexican, Kelly Fajardo, one of Rebecca Dow's best buddies up there, will not be running for re-election. So uh, a minor point when compared to uh, Eddie's orbital view opening the show but uh it might be interesting to ask her about uh, her her pal there and and there are a number of republicans apparently who are going to be stepping away baldonado already stepped away i think uh, randall crowder is going to be stepping away um let's see who else oh james strickler up in farmington i a rare republican who i have some respect for so uh it's a time of change, Eddie, and I, it, it, the, the pace of change seems to be accelerating. But one thing that never changes is bad policy in New Mexico, and that's why people tune in every day to uh, hear the truth and hear positive alternatives from the two of us. And I think it's important, uh, and I'm glad you raised that. I think, you know, Kelly Fajardo immediately stopped uh, communicating with me and talking with me once, she, once we were critical of her. But we also oh, yeah. learned... Uh, of the number of times, uh, Dowd, wasn't it interesting that she voted with the Democrats? 
Yes. And once you start getting exposed, we put a little bit of pressure like, well, you're not the Republican we had hoped that you were. You're not the Republican that you said and that you claim when you're putting out your materials. And once these people, generally speaking, as you know, once they get to the retirement, they can collect that retirement. They're off to uh, greener pastures. So let's not forget uh, it pays to play in the political arena. Right, doubt. It does Let's indeed. Need, uh, and, and of course, the ultimate goal is uh, rack up those pension credits as a legislator. And then when you get one of your parties in the in the governorship, then you get like a cabinet or an assistant, assistant cabinet position. And then that pension just rockets mm. right up. <laughs> there you go. We'll have to get to that. All right. We'll talk about uh, Zelensky, Putin and all the rest when we return. Maybe uh, what I'm hearing is a lot of old country lately. I just thought I'd play a little George Jones. He stopped loving her today. And I'm like, I never really stopped to listen to this song. And boy, I did last night. And I was like, wow, there's a whole story here. There's a zillion stories out there. And I'm sure you've got them. 425, back and forth. Thanks for listening. Smiling here. He stopped loving her today. It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him away He stopped loving her today I've got bruises on my memory I've got tear stains on my Four thirty-one here in the Kiva AM six hundred KIBABQ.FM RockOfTalk.com. Uh, don't forget, folks. You can catch us on uh, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV podcasting uh, with commercials. By the way, so it is a lot of you love the commercials, right? Right? Or well, if you want to skip the commercials, you can become a subscriber directly at RockOfTalk.chat. It's uh, that easy. That's www.rockoftalk.chat. I'd like to thank a couple of people who uh, subscribed today. We appreciate you very much. Absolutely. I finally got caught up uh, today, so that was good. We got all the rest of the stuff, hammered that stuff out, and uh, that was good. You can uh, podcast us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify. You can download our app. We've got a brand new app today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm very excited about that, and I think Dow downloaded it uh, as well. We have the rockoftalk.chat app. I just got to get that uh Kind of fix so when you go there it'll detect whether or not you're going from your your handheld and then it'll download uh our Substack uh, app which uh will give you absolutely everything and i sent out the little video of everything and you had to have been impressed literally if you don't want to 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 download any apps and you just want to go ahead and just watch everything in there you can listen you can watch you can just all the way through just as if it all's scripted for you it's like a hollywood uh, movie there d dowd muska you had been impressed by that app uh, right very 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 exciting and of course one new reason this being a wednesday to uh sign up for whether you read it on the website whether you get the app for our substack platform rockoftalk.chat brand new economic analysis came out from a d dowd muska about an hour or two ago and i hope maybe later in the show we'll have a chance yeah. to talk about that yeah we'll talk to uh, talk about that uh, for sure uh for Less than uh, half a tank of gas and a 25-gallon uh, guzzler out there and an 86 fuel. 
that's right. At half the price of that, you can be informed for the entire year with all the notes, jokes, uh, quips, and uh, quirks that uh, we offer every day right here in the Hebrew. All right, let's get to it because we got a lot of uh, stuff to get to. So I don't want to uh, hemming and hawing around all this stuff. So uh, there was a really good article uh, that uh, Dow uh, selected from Reason Magazine. And it made so much sense to me oh, because it's reason, right? <laughs> we have to use our heads, like uh, sort of step away. And the whole entire article is the, the premise. And there's this law in the Ukraine, right? And we're hearing all these you know, tears and uh, families are being separated. And these poor you know, families are having to... Most of these people in the Ukraine, like the Eastern board, just they're already... it's they, it's already all done, okay? The eastern half, it already belongs to Russia. Just hand it over, Zelensky, all right? Just hand it over, and the U.S. is not going to go and defend you. Uh, Poland can offer to send jets. We can offer to send this and that. It won't matter. Putin's just sitting there crossing his arm. Yet you've got people, by law, in the Ukraine who are forced, by way, I think, of law and the Constitution, all men aged 18 to 60 cannot leave the country. They have to be called what's called a conscript, which is involuntary servitude to arm up and fight against the Russians. Yes, or anybody for that matter, in this particular case, the Russians. The Ukrainian leader seeking the free world's help to fight off a Russian invasion is refusing to allow Ukrainian men to flee with their families to safety. Uh, uh, the free world, right? Democracy, choice. I want to jump on. Why should I have to fight for this? I thought we were Western. I thought we we hired a, a group of professionals, military people, to go ahead and do all this stuff. The Ukrainian government has mandated that men aged 18 to 60 are not allowed to leave the country. Now, let's just imagine, let's put you in their shoes for a second. Would you honestly, if, if we were the, in the Ukraine, thank God we're not. Thank God we're not. If you were in the Ukraine, would you be like, uh, yeah, I'm going to step up to the plate and fight against the Russians? Just the day before, you were partying in the streets. They'd never attack us. No big worry. You know, as far as I'm concerned, my president, he's the guy who, you know, played the piano with his penis on, yeah, on national TV. Right, we're good. We got this. We handle this. And besides, the U.S. is behind us. Do you think any of these people were like, yeah, we're going to fight against the Russians? No. No, no, no. They're not even interested in the least. It's forbidden. The writer says the policy is inhumane. You know it is. You guys won't even leave the house. No, I'm not going to get COVID-19. I'm not going to go ahead and put myself out there. What, what are you? You don't have a mask? What's wrong with you? You wouldn't risk yourself for nothing. This is why I continue to tell you that Putin or Putin has already won. When the Trump administration separated children from parents, he writes at the Mexican border, a vast uproar ensued over the cruelty of the policy. Future U.S. President Joe, right? Dividing family, separation, family separation. You wouldn't do this. You wouldn't fight to defend your country. Shut up about it. You're like, oh, I'm only going to go ahead and defend these guys, right? And uh, Black Lives Matter is like, oh, we're only going to defend these guys because we hate uh, the white guys. Yep, we're going to get racial again because that's where this is inevitably going to go if this persists. And here's, here's Joe Biden. In the contest between democracy and autocracy, between sovereignty and subjugation, blah, 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 platitudes, platitudes. Make no mistake, freedom will prevail. Yeah, uh, you're mistaken, Biden. Freedom, these guys had the choice to pick up and leave. This violates all sorts of provisions, including the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, Article 13, 
stating that everyone has the right to leave any country. Article 9 states that no one shall be subjected to arbitrary arrest or detention. 7 says all are equal before the law and are entitled to any discrimination to equal protection of the law. All right, so you want to take issue with what I'm saying. That's cool. I'm totally fine with that. Oh, I'm going to fight to the death for the country. And we're not saying America. We're just saying, you know, this country, if it were the Ukraine. <laughs> you know what's happening right now? The U.S. Army is training its officers on gender identity, on fairness, preferred pronouns, the policy on military service of transgender persons and persons with gender dysphoria. It's a mandatory program started by a whistleblower. The high-ranking officer in the Army Special Forces said, this is mandatory. We, we got to go through this, right? We're going to talk about Sandia National Labs. They're color coding, folks. It's like preschool at Sandia National Labs. They've got threat levels for different levels of masking now. Can you imagine putting $4.40 of, of gas in your car so you can go to work, mask up, and then social distance all for work that you could been and have been doing for the last two and a half years at your home? Yeah, that, that's what's going on, but I digress. Under one scenario in the U.S. Army, in the training guide, a soldier who is assigned a male birth says he identifies as a female, lives as a female in his off-duty hours, and is not requested to be treated as a female on duty. In such a case, according to the slides, the outlet reports that the soldier ought to be treated with dignity and respect, and no further action is required. I don't know that anybody would actually disagree with that. It would be like, oh, that's cool, whatever. Why? Do, I don't know. He's, he, she, well, did I get it wrong? I don't want to offend anybody, right? That, <laughs> that's where you'd be if you're, like, serving in him. Folks, we're not like meditating on, you know, this is why I was talking about moral integrity. We're not like thinking about what's happening to the Ukrainians. People are too worried about themselves, about whether or not someone is referring to genitalia that they haven't seen on you as whether or not that that is what it is, other than what you tell them. Well, do you want to show it to me and then I can tell you what you are? No, I'm not. This is what I am. I don't care what the, yeah. Insanity. No wonder this feels apocalyptic. Right? Because it defies any and all reason. And people are taking it up. They're taking it upon themselves. They're, they're looking for some, and they're, they're, they're com committing a level of atrocity somewhere, sometime. This Irish guy, Desmond Wisley, plows a truck through Russian embassy gates, ladies and gentlemen. Why? Because he's got to do something to fight back against the Russians. You know what this is? When I, when I hear a story or see a story like this, this is telling me, this is like uh, when at the end of Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks is fired off every last one, and he's literally chucking his gun at the guys who are aiming full automatic weapons at him. That, that's what I think of right there. You can't just attack an embassy. You can't just start deciding to take in the law in your own hands. I mean, we, we impress upon people. Don't take the law in your own hands. Don't react. Someone's taking your car. Let them take it. You can't do anything about it. Someone's going to pull a gun on you. Well, you're going to pull a gun on them. It's going to cost you a lot of money. Like there's this whole thing about, you know, be reasonable. I just done this to create a safe corridor for the Russian ambassador to leave Ireland. According to Yuri Filotov, who has held the position since 2017, Video of the incident shared online shows the back of a delivery truck smashing through the front gates of an embassy to cheers of Bravo and good man. Yeah, that's about as much as it's going to get him. Why? Countries aren't doing anything and people getting together to go ahead and try and take down the Russian embassy in a mob rules type of attempt. 
has not sufficed, and it won't. Man's been arrested. He's taken in. What are your politicians doing? Well, uh, we'll keep it local. Heinrich. Well, I'm doing a lot. I'm running for uh, re-election in four years, two years. I don't know what it is. Something like that. He's calling for war crimes. We need to hold these people accountable. Putin's like, yeah, <laughs> that piece of paper is not going to hold me accountable. Why do you stop your NATO expansion? Uh, <clears throat> the Russian unjustified, unprovoked aggression. Yes, uh, you can go ahead and continue to kick somebody in the shins and then say it's unprovoked. That's what you're doing with Putin. You literally are calling for the assassination of a leader in Putin. And then you're putting out all this propaganda as if Zelensky is actually going to be taken out. Oh, there's been four or five or six different attempts. If you believe there's been any attempt on Zelensky's life, you're an idiot. No one's trying to, no one's trying to get rid of that comedian. He's playing the part. He's doing exactly what he's being told to do. He's sitting there. And then he calls the attention to where he's at. I'm not afraid of you, Putin. We're going to come out. And it's like, okay, really? It's just theater. Is that, is that all this is? That, that way we're going to pay this and get behind them and, and do all this stuff during the election year, right? Yeah, we got to need a distraction. COVID-19 was fake. Need a distraction. This resolution strongly condemns, encourages nations to take any and all action to investigate war crimes, supports any investigation. Uh, we're we're going to give these guys 48 hours to get the hell out of Dodge uh, in the big cities. Uh, then we're going to go ahead and carpet bomb. And then uh, here's a list of your, uh, Dad, look it up. Uh, make a list of Putin's demands, okay? And they're very four easy things that have basically already happened. Each one of these things have, have already taken place, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, it's not like we're asking this stuff to take place. It's it's like th these are. <laughs> this is why I say it is over. Just just end it. Let's get some peace. Let's get back on with everything. We'll wait for the. Uh, we'll wait for the. I I do kind of hope that they come up and come sooner rather than later. I I, I want peace just from the standpoint that I just want peace. You know, there doesn't need to be a conflict. This all could have been avoided, but there's going to be some pain. Is I just. I just don't know when it's going to come. I kind of hope that it was going to come now, but now it's going to be prolonged, just, just so you know, because that's the way the, the market reacts. Okay. Uh, uh, check, take a look at those demands. We'll get to those in a second. Yeah, and Eddie, I've got them. And, you know, I, I know that Putin is supposed to be Adolf Hitler, so I guess yes. I'm, 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 an, I'm a Nazi for not finding these all that unreasonable. Uh, barring Ukraine from entering NATO, I would go much Further than that, I would say the dissolution of NATO is in the national interest of the United States. Uh, recognizing Crimea as Russian territory, it has been since it 2014. Yep. It's it's there. Uh, the two regions on, on the far east of Ukraine as independent, which is okay. not that unreasonable. They're ethnically Russian, speak Russian. You know, there's a exactly. lot of overlap there. This is a this is a dispute between these two countries along the border, and then ceasing all uh, of the Ukraine's military action, um, which I don't know. Those don't seem to be uh, un unachievable demands. Uh, he's not saying, give me your firstborn of, of, of every family. Um, I, I guess, hey, you know, we've always known that I'm the show's white supremacist. Now I'm a full-born Nazi because I agree with the 21st century's Nazi, I guess. And he literally just said, we are not going to take another life. We're not going to hit you again. We have, we have you surrounded. We have your country completely surrounded. The Americans are not coming to save you. The Polish are not coming to save you. 
We have four demands. You will remain neutral. Hey, we're not coming to take out Zelensky. Did he say he's coming to assassinate Zelensky? Uh, 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 can you send the Pony Express to go ahead and uh, give our demands to Zelensky? Uh, where can we find him? Uh, he needs directions. <laughs> no one's trying to kill Zelensky, folks. Nobody. No one's trying to kill him. Vladimir Zelensky. Oh, the, the new hero. No one's trying to do any of these things. Stop, stop, stop. Okay? Just read between the lines. We don't need to give Ukraine uh, any money. We don't need 1.7 million people to flee. We don't need any of these things to happen. Go back to your homes. They've agreed to this. You're going to remain neutral. You don't get to join NATO. We're not going to create a no-fly zone with warthogs and AWOCs and all these other things. We're not going to do any of this crap. Okay, We're not about to kick off into World War III because we've, we've always cared about the Ukraine. No, no none of this stuff is going to happen. So let's stop. Agree to it. But what will the Americans do? What will we do? Martin Heinrich says, we condemn, we encourage nations to take any and all action to investigate war crimes. We're going after Putin. Support any investigation. They're about to go under. They need us more than we need them. They're crippled. They're like, well, we don't even know what capitalism is. We don't have the ruble. What, what does it matter? We've got natural resources. Number one in this, number one in that. I think of that wonderful commercial there by DirecTV. Opulence. I has it. But I also like savings the money. It's like the whole entire comedic thing is based around the guy doesn't care. He's just got things, right? He's, these are people from the KGB and the Soviet Union. They don't care. They're not interested in anything. But if you keep it up, just like the Ukraine, here we go. We're going to attack your computer. Well, they don't have computers. We're going to cripple them. <laughs> Moscow presents a serious cyber threat, a key space competitor, and one of the most serious foreign influence threats to the United States, says Avril Haines. Director of National Intelligence Avril Haines is warning that Russia poses a serious cyber threat to the U.S. as it launches cyber attacks inside of Ukraine during its invasion. You know what's happened during this entire time? It's been weak. We're waiting for all these cyber attacks and everything, and nothing's happened because Putin's kind of tired. He's like, I don't really have to do much more here. I kind of want it. Uh... In record time, we've taken over an entire country in, uh, what would that be? So four and nine, 13 days. 13 days they won this thing. And here we are projecting in an excellent article. Again, somehow the, the libertarians are terrible at elections. The libertarians are terrible just about at anything that's practical. When it comes to kind of taking a step back, and maybe this is why, you know, uh, you know, small, uh, one of my very, very, very good friends, Ellie Shevelevin, like literally I, uh, this, I got into a fight with this woman when I first met her, you might remember she was doing the show on our radio station for quite a while. And then I made, I turned her into a Trump supporter, literally turned her into a Trump supporter. I said, this is, you know, how you handle it. And she was like a total, complete believer. Dowd sort of, uh, I would probably say the same way now. In retrospect, uh, he is a, not a Trump supporter at the election. And then once he saw what, you know, the fruits of all of that, you saw what happened. And he's like, well, hard to argue. This is the guy who avoided war. He uh, pulled out of here, pulled out of there, uh, created no conflict, told you everything that was going to happen and preserved not just the peace, but created prosperity. Well, Eddie, I, I think I've been thinking the last couple of days, some, some of the real fiercest Trump partisans out there 
and and I hate it when people run the counterfactuals and they say, "Oh, if our guy was in, none of this would have happened." Yeah. You know, we'll never know what the truth is. But I've been lying awake at night and really kind of running through my mind. The reason I did endorse Donald Trump for re-election, and I really like to take credit for delivering Florida because my my endorsement did run in the Palm Beach Post. So you know, um, the, the PBP. I, I think when it comes to the the partisans saying the invasion of Ukraine would not have happened if Donald Trump were still president. I'm kind of sympathetic to that view. I think most of the time it's those kind of claims are wild and invalid, but I do think Trump had a much more sophisticated and dare I say nuanced and dare I say realistic view of foreign of international relations. And I also think Putin being an ultimate alpha man, alpha male respects other alpha males. I mean, alpha males will clash and they'll punch each other and they'll compete over the same woman, but there's still a level of respect there. Like, you know, Listen, we had our disagreement with, you know, whatever. Let's we're not, we're not going to blow it up to level 10. And I think with Trump there criticizing NATO, not accepting the left's well, the establishment's narrative of Putin as Adolf Hitler, I think you can make we'll never know, we'll never know, but I think you can make a decent argument that he would not have crossed that border if Donald Trump were 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 still in office and one of the reasons <laughs> that you want to get more specific about my respect for the Trump administration's views of foreign policy, he was interviewed, and I forget who the interviewer was. This was in 2017, and some mainstream media figure was saying, oh, Putin's the worst guy in the world. And Trump said, you think our country's so innocent? He, You're not supposed to say that if you're a high-ranking federal official to say, hey, you know what? We've done some really nasty things over the years. And yes, Trump yeah. was willing to say that. Yeah. So, um, you know, folks uh, – Eddie likes to take credit for bringing me around on Trump, but I'd like to think a little of it is, was was my own observation. <laughs> yeah, so certainly that. I mean, and that's the minor point. I think the major point of what you're yep. stating uh, is a, is a, is a strong reminder to people uh, just to uh, look at just how unwar hawkish we were under Trump, uh, yes. how we yes. strayed away from conflict, how avoiding. Con- I mean, look at Wyatt Earp, right? I told you I visited Tombstone. Okay. Yeah, let me tell you. What was Wyatt Earp all about? He's like, he is. He, he went to Virgil. He went to his other brother. And we're like, we're avoiding this thing. We don't want to put on badges. We don't want to tell people what we're not about to clean up. And, you know, his other brother, Sam Elliott, what, what, what did <laughs> Sam Elliott do? That? We, you know, there's babies crying over here. And uh, I see this young Missy over. And, and who got hurt? The people who were trying to step up to the plate. Right. And Wyatt's all about, well, we got to go ahead. And it wasn't until you took out Wyatt's, right? Wyatt's kids, I mean, brothers, that he was willing to go ahead and he had, now we had something to fight for. That wasn't our fight. That wasn't our fight. And the real cowboy in all of this, by the way, uh, who's brilliant is Val Kilmer and, uh, you know, as Doc Holliday, who's, who didn't really kill anybody, but I mean, he killed what all three people. Doc Holliday is, 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 but I'll talk about that on, on another day. Quick uh, phone call. Caller, you were in the queue. I'll jump back into what I'm saying. Go ahead. Hello. Eddie Dowd, am I on? Uh, you're here. Go ahead. Excellent. I, I just wanted to call because I also read the Reason.com article, and I, I like you, am one who is uh, rather disappointed with the performance of libertarianism in terms of U.S. politics, little crackpot sometimes, but they do tend to have a nice kind of way of, as you say, kind of stepping back and looking at things. But I actually had a very different impression of this particular article, which is why I wanted to call. Go ahead. 
Well, my, I actually found the author to be rather naive on their own sources that they were using. Um, because the source that they used to, to make it sound like the demand that, that Ukraine cease hostilities, that was the way the, the way the article phrased it made it sound as though Russia is asking Ukraine to stop aggressive activities. When in fact, what Russia is actually asking for is for Ukraine to demilitarize entirely. And that's been made very clear in Russian media. So I was actually very confused by the, I don't have the article in front of me right now, but the author's take, because that is, that's not what's being communicated. I mean, within Russian news sources that we have been able to get a hold of, which, which admittedly is very sparse, but that's not what Russia's saying. They well, want like, Ukraine to demilitarize entirely. We're not here to argue the sort of the nuance of, uh, and, and read off an article and, you know, uh, oh, sure. to, to get behind it. So, you know, I understand that there's a conclusion here. We're extracting certain pieces of all this. And that is to sure, sure. really just kind of communicate what our understanding of what we think about what's really happening. And and let me ask you a question because you did. There's one point here that I think that I can can speak to, I think, in all fair. And Dowd, feel free to jump in very quickly here. We only have four minutes until mm-hmm. the top of the hour. But one of the things I would I would suggest to you is uh you know, your uh, level of aggression and my impression of your aggression doesn't have to necessarily mean that you're pulling out a gun. Uh, and, and that's exactly the way Putin's looking at this. He's saying you're creating friendships with people that, you know, we aren't in alignment with. You continue to want to expand and now you want to align with something called NATO. Uh, we've, asked oh, absolutely. You, we've asked you not to do that. And, and that's exactly what he's making the demand now is just to continue, like, be neutral. Don't join the West. Don't you know, be a pass through. And as you heard, Mir- and, uh, Mir- and as sure. you heard Mearsheimer talk about that last week, that's exactly the, his the recommendation that needs to be made about the Ukraine because the Ukraine doesn't have a level of history that is in comparison uh, with anything to the. It's not Hungary, and it certainly isn't uh, you know uh, 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 Russia. So it doesn't have the wherewithal to hold up. And I think it's in. It should have acknowledged its weak position, but it thought it was bigger than it was because it thought it had a cool friend named the United States of America that was going to back it up together with NATO, and it just didn't happen. So there's nothing there. So let it pass through. And I, I don't know that there's a, needs to be an argument between uh, Putin and Ukraine. Putin's just simply showing that at any point, if any country that he deems as a former uh, as former providence of his, that if he wants to go ahead and keep it in line, he can, and he just showed that he could. Because he created the uh, you know the biggest refugee oh, sure. uh, uh, migration uh, since World well, War II. Well, and Putin is well. Uh, to be fair, I mean Putin's uh, providence is perhaps a stretch because I mean the idea that I mean Putin was a part of course the KGB and the Soviet Empire, and the Soviet Empire had control over Ukraine, and Putin is definitely trying to channel that now. But my other kind of sort of point that I've made in various other contexts and whatnot, and not like making a point, but the issue of NATO, I absolutely agree with Dowd that the dissolution of NATO is in our national interest, in fact, but I also uphold the idea that Ukrainian sovereignty, who are, who is any other country to tell any other country what alliances or what groups they can join, no matter what the size, scope, or power of that group might be, if Ukrainians, in whatever manner, 
have put forth a put forth a leader, and I realize that there are a lot of corruption issues within Ukraine, and we can debate the political status all day long. But if there is even say half a mandate or a third of a mandate for Ukraine to join NATO, then is that not something that is at least in some way valid or in some way able to be recognized why, in terms of why, a country's why, for, autonomy? For, for what purpose? If they can't defend themselves against Russia uh, by themselves. I think they're so, showing that they can defend I, themselves. I, I, I it may not be no, as effective. I'm not buying, no, I'm not buying into the propaganda. When you lose 1.7 million of your people, you're showing that you can't stand on your own and we're not standing with them. So why don't we just end this relationship uh, where we're not standing up and Russia can go ahead and do what it's going to finish up that it's already done. I've already told you. I made the, dec- the declaration today. At what it's, point it's do we? Over. At what point? At, do, at no so, point. At no point. It's of zero national interest. It's over? It's the a, fighting is done in, in all of a, the Donbass? I was not aware of that. In oh, fact, I'm I'm, I, and, I, I and again, I not I just for realize, the sake of rhetoric, I, I am being honest here. No, you're, you're, I actually know someone who. It, it, really, uh, it really okay. doesn't matter if there's an ongoing war at this point. Let me tell you um, why. Let me tell I, you why. I because would imagine the people fighting it would disagree with you. You can disagree <laughs> with me all you want and argue with me no, all you no, want. No, I'm uh, not. I'm saying the people fighting the war. I'm sort of. Uh, would lost they on, not disagree sort of, with you? I'm sort of lost on your your side of the argument here. Uh, one way you're making the logical argument, and Dowd and I would both agree with you there. And the other one, you're emotionally caught up in this. And uh, read the four demands, Dowd, uh, directly to the caller, please. And what's your name, uh, caller? My name is Joe. Uh, okay, so read them to Joe if you would. Uh, Yeah, this is just from Newsweek from, I believe, about 36 hours ago. Uh, The four demands being... Oh, there's uh, the source. Newsweek. Okay. Ukraine Ukraine is barred... You don't uh, need to be smarmy. Ukraine would be barred from entering NATO. I don't need to. Oh, okay. Uh, On, on. Can I finish? Yeah, Ukraine would be barred from entering NATO. Uh, Crimea would be recognized as a Russian territory. And of course, the eastern regions would be independent and Ukraine would cease all military action. I'm not saying I agree or don't agree with them. I'm simply saying that, you know, those are the demands. Uh, That's not exactly Hitlerite demands. Yeah. So, yo, you just uh, heard the demands that were issued and we're not backing them. They can accept them and uh, keep the peace and uh, give up what they've already given up anyhow. You've not uh, answered my my question, though. For what reason or what right does any other nation have to tell the sovereign citizens of a, of a country, no matter what the size or scope of their military is? That's what I'm interested in, is that your perspective seems to be one that's heavily militarized. But then you switch to yeah, this notion of no, of democracy. We'll, we'll keep you on. No, so I, no, which we'll, one is we'll, it? I'll keep you on. I'll answer your question after the top of the hour. We have to hit that. And uh, it's uh, 4.59 and 40 seconds. So can I hit the news? Are you going to be okay? Sure. Okay, go for it. Good. There we go. Appreciate Yo's uh, understanding for all of us here in the Kiva. Back after a quick break, uh, after the top of the hour news, right here in the Kiva. AM 1600 KIV this is The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Constitution were adopted in 1791. Albuquerque's macro-aggression. Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM. Rock of Talk.com. 550, 5500, hour two coming at you... 
the 505. I guess diesel gas is 505. Five, there's there's a whole new meaning to 505 in the 505. And uh, there you go. How luck uh, fortuitous uh, are you? So we're going to get to Yo's question. Yo is very, you know, I really feel like when liberals come into the Kiva, you know, and I think it's reasonable to characterize him as a, like they're looking, oh, what business is it of you to tell me? what where what a country can and can't do and invade like i'm like oh i i know exactly what this is this is exactly what we got from the remember the uh, pot smoking guys from the late 60s early 70s and yo's not gonna like anything i have to say by the way because i'm just gonna react i'm not gonna give him what what he expects me to argue the article uh directly to him it's like he wanted to get into the article like on the air it's like i that's a weird thing it's uh not often where someone reads the exact same article that we're all reading at, at, at one time and then wants to confront you about it as if i'm going to defend the author that that is certainly not something that we do here i think that's uh fair to say uh d-dowd uh, musk hour too how are you uh yeah i've, I've got uh Many, many reactions if you uh, if yeah. I have a few minutes to, to respond to our call already. And I, I think, I, I don't know if he, if he was reading an article in Reason Magazine, I don't know that he would be a liberal because I don't think a liberal could get half a sentence into a Reason article without the head exploding. So I I, I can't speak for our, our caller. Well, he remember, think, he, disagree, he disagreed with it. So the, yeah. the thing is, is, is that's where the sort of warmongering is. That's what I'm saying comes in. Like he may have crossed paths with that article but yeah, and, and I mean liberal in the progressive sense. Uh, these, mm-hmm. these are somebody who's like, what business do we have? Like, you know, the Democrats are really quick to run, beat their chest and, you know, say, hey, we've got military. We're going to defend them and we're going to uh, defend democracy everywhere. But he was arguing sort of both sides of that argument uh, in there. So the intellectual well, think- power was there, but then we're missing the emotional was sort of on the other side. Yeah, the emotion is, is is clearly there, and and everybody's reaction in America, except a very small percentage of us, I think, is driven entirely uh, by by emotion. Uh, he did mention the the word rights, which I think Professor Mearsheimer in our our broadcast on Monday just completely demolished. Um, mm-hmm. And just from a personal perspective. I cannot stand it when people talk about what right does the government have. Government doesn't have rights, people. Individuals have rights. So I don't care what the issue is when you're talking about what right does the government have. Governments don't have rights. People have rights. Uh, So, you know, Putin has no right to do this. There's a line from Thucydides, the great Greek uh, historian, talking about, I think it was the siege of Milos, where he says, the strong do what they can and the weak suffer what they must. And... That's kind of an iron law of humanity. I know in our gushy Facebook feminized culture, we don't accept the harsh realities. Uh, we don't accept any harsh reality like that because everybody has to be the same and everybody has to be happy and everybody has to have self-esteem. That's not how humanity works. That's not how humanity has ever worked. And whether you like it or not, the strong indeed do what they can and the weak indeed suffer what they most. And I've been thinking about that phrase the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing my taxes because uh, – the IRS is doing whatever it wants to me, and I'm weak, and I'm suffering from the IRS. So I don't agree with the premise, Eddie, that government has no right. You know, I mean, government does what it can, and if somebody stands up to it, you can fight it. There's a lot of private Ukrainians and Ukrainian soldiers who are trying to stop Putin. But the idea that I think what our caller has accepted is the post-World War II or, uh, right. sort of order of things where mm-hmm. every every boundary is fixed. They can never change. Right. Democracy is the only acceptable form of government. Uh, international norms and treaties are sacrosanct. You know, we have to have the Non-Proliferation Treaty and the Law of the Sea and the International Criminal Court. 
That's not how people behave. That's not how governments behave. And it doesn't make you immoral to acknowledge that reality. I, I think I said last week sure. when I that that documentary I saw where the child whose village was bombed by Putin, I think in the Chechnyan conflict, and he's just screaming, "This is my grandfather! This is my grandfather!" There's dead bodies in front of him. I mean, do you think I support anything like that? I can't imagine Eddie's boys, my nephew, have my niece having to live through something that horrific. You don't think that if I had any power at all to stop what's going on? I wouldn't do whatever I whatever I could within my power. I also recognize reality, and I, was, I know I know that widening this war would be completely insane. So I think you need to get away from that kind of groupthink of the of the post World War II international order that this is the way things are. All boundaries are fixed. Democracy is preferable to anything else. Uh, that's not how. Homo sapiens. That's not how we've acted. Uh, Putin. I don't. Wouldn't say he's so much immoral as amoral. He want. He has goals that he wants to accomplish, yeah. and he, he doesn't really think much about the morality of them. Um, I would say that he tried to communicate twenty years ago, and that we were warned about. And then yep. fourteen years on, he issued the first salvo, which was Crimea, and here we are, eight years later, facing the exact same thing because you induced him into this particular position. And the aggression isn't, well, we're aiming uh, guns or missiles or we're threatening Vladimir Putin. Only Lindsey Graham is stupid enough to do that. Uh, we, we literally just are trying to expand our country to include something called Ukraine, which is completely and totally corrupt. And Putin doesn't want you to do that. And you didn't have a conversation with him about it. And so uh, Zelensky, in his comedic routine, uh, did a not-so-funny thing. Uh, by continuing to think that he had the strength of the U.S. and the NATO behind him. And let me tell you, uh, money talks, BS walks. And this whole thing has been BS from the beginning. And the money, if you can't back up what you're doing, which means I want to be part of NATO and uh, we just have to fight Russia off to do it. Uh, if you think that Ukraine is being able to stand up, they're they're completely and totally surrounded. If Russia wanted to take them out today, Kiev would be obliterated off the map. Yep. The only people the who would be option, yeah. like, it would be over there. They yep. don't have any defense. The people who are crying or reading or whatever their script that they're, they're reading off of is like, well, we need NATO to go ahead and uh, do a no fly zone. And, and you should, do you know what that would be? It would be world war three. And that's political uh, and military brinkmanship. And that isn't me supporting military. Let's just go to first principle. Shall we? Mm -hmm. first thing uh, is, the first thing when you establish a home is how to protect it. First thing you establish a country is get an army to protect it. <laughs> the best defense is a good offense, and you start attacking other people. There wasn't a need for any of this, but we induced Putin into this particular position. He's across 10 time zones. He doesn't need to create an 11th or a 12th for himself. No, no. Um, I don't want to anyone who questions the dominant Facebook narrative on, on Ukraine today is you're automatically called a Putin apologist. So I'll, I'll say it again. I don't agree with every, everything. I don't agree with crossing that border. I don't agree with bombing civilians, but I think, and I, and I don't want to make a moral equivalency argument, but we, we do have it in our, in our notes for today, Eddie, we have a fascinating piece from the Cato Institute that I think our, our, Caller should also read. Uh, we didn't maybe, get into. Maybe, maybe he's a subscriber, but the line that really struck me in this Cato Institute piece is 
in our rush to condemn Putin for doing what he's doing and violating those precious international norms that were established by the UN over the last 60, 70 years, what about the United States? The United States routinely ignores international law uh, as well as national sovereignty when we invade countries, support insurgencies, and attempt to oust governments. We have been doing that for decades and decades and decades. Banana so, republics, I could give you example after example oh, because my focus time. was Latin American economy. You would 1954, know. 1954, Giacomo Arbenz. You can go back and you can talk about Chile. You can talk about Peru. You can talk about all the various places that you, know, we, you can talk about the places we've inserted ourselves. And it, it because we've done, done that, uh, again, not a moral equivalency argument, but it's a little hypocritical yep. for elites in America with our history of the military industrial complex. And it even goes back before World War II, never, never mind what Ike was talking about. Uh, it's a little hypocritical us to say, oh, when we do it, we're doing it for a higher purpose. When we bomb civilians and kill people and overthrow governments, well, well, but we're, we're Americans, we're upholding international norms. Well, mm -hmm. maybe Putin has his own vision of what is acceptable and what is in the national interest of his country. I may not agree with it, but simply acknowledging it and, and, and as, as the writer says, you know, noticing the beam or the plank in our own eye before we point out the speck on someone else's. This is a time for introspection and looking at ourselves. And of course, we're not doing that in America. We're just rushed to war, rushed to war, virtue signal, virtue signal. Let's, let's think about our president for a second. Why is this happening now? Well, he's got a son to protect. He's got a reputation. He's got a distraction he has to create. Um, and so this, uh, the, the focus is in America. Not here, not at all. This is more corruption. We got to this point because we created these pri uh, the, these problems and these these opportunities came up where we're like, okay, well, we can do that and we'll distract from what we've done with regard to COVID-19 and the shutdown. And some people are texting me right now and they're saying, Eddie, this is not propaganda. Ukraine is kicking the Russian ass. What are you talking about? What planet are you living on? Do you really want to engage Russia 5,500 miles away from New Mexico right now? Or do you want to engage Russia on anything on what they want to do at this point? Given what we've seen in the first 13 days, all we've been sitting here is doing is uh, dealing with the moaning and wailing and what they're doing to us. And then we need to step up to the plate. It's been two weeks. We're not going to do anything. It's over. And there's no reason to be smarmy, disingenuous, or try to ridicule someone who's taking your phone call, by the way, on this. And I'm not your enemy. We're on the same side of everything. That's why I was trying to tell you it's good to have, with the limited information that we have, differing opinions on this. But, you know, going back to your point, Mearsheimer's point, which is what rights do countries have, they have the right to go ahead and defend themselves. And if they can't create the friends to defend themselves, then they cease to exist. It is what has been happening throughout time. You can go back and look at... Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, let me. I didn't realize we were looking at the Cato uh, article here, which I'm reading right now. Foreign policy establishment. Well, who's foreign policy? American, Soviet, Russian, Eastern Europe? What, what are we going to adhere ourselves, attach ourselves to? There's no ideology. This isn't the Kissinger time. We're beyond that. We're losing. And Putin's letting you know how. There's no longer what's called hegemonic power by the United States of America. That has been destroyed in this one, what should have been a regional conflict, but could potentially have become global. I think you would agree with me on that. Is that correct, Dowd? You would yes, agree sir. that U.S. is no longer a hegemonic power. That means we have the ability to call the shots everywhere we go. 
Uh, I think we are losing Charles Krauthammer, the horrible neocon, and I hope he's suffering in hell right now, one of the worst human beings who's ever lived, Uh, the Canadian liberal neocon who somehow came to America and reinvented himself as a conservative and all the Republicans and conservatives I've ever met love Charles Krauthammer, Uh, horrible human being. He talked about the unipolar moment after the Soviet Union fell apart and how this was the unipolar moment for America to, to enforce its will. I think I talked last week about an article in National Review. Any rocket launched into space anywhere from the surface of the, of the Earth uh, has to register with the United States uh, or we automatically shoot it down. That's the immense arrogance of the people who embrace that unipolar moment. Um, Eddie, I'm glad we're not a world hegemon. I don't want us yep. to. I would like to see the America be the Switzerland of North America. I, I know that's a that's maybe an unreasonable demand, but at 30 trillion in debt, maybe we'll get it at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, certainly uh, those uh, foreign conflicts and uh, most people. I mean, we get Gary Johnson couldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What is that. Aleppo? What is Aleppo? Um, hopefully this is Yo. Hopefully we maybe we satisfied him. Uh, Yo, are you there? Caller, you're in the Kiva. Go ahead. Yeah, I just thought I'd uh, throw in a counter argument to Yo. Um, he was saying, "What uh, what right do we have to tell them uh, that they can't join?" Um, I think the point of NATO is that it's not up to Ukraine to decide, hey, I want to join and we have to let them. It's not their club. It's up to NATO to say, is this going to be provocative to uh, Putin to put a, a NATO member on his border? And the worst part of it is if they get attacked, then we have to go to war. And that's uh, that's the same kind of silliness that happened in World War One, where they killed Archduke Ferdinand, mm-hmm. and everybody had to go to war because everybody had these alliances. And so it was one of these wars that didn't really need to happen. This is exactly how we would get into World War III, is to allow them to join NATO, and then they do, do something to provoke Russia. Russia. Russia attacks them, and the next thing you know, we're required to start rolling tanks. And that's the last thing we need to do. Yeah. No, I think uh, It's yeah. up to NATO to decide, do you get to join? It's not up to the Ukraine. It's not up to Zelensky. He can ask, but it's not his club. I will give uh, Yo something. I'm glad that he brought in an argument which would address this. And uh, as to, you know, instead of talking about himself uh, or talking about how it's impacting directly him, I think it is on a higher level. I think your argument uh, holds way more water. And historically speaking, I think you're uh, 110% right. But I will give Yo at least that uh, on that argument. Yeah. Anything else? Right. No, that's all. Okay, good one. I uh, appreciate that. Eddie, I got to commend that caller. Uh, anybody who references World War One, who knows anything about World War One in, in 2022, he is a rare breed. Uh, I spent the first 40 years of my life, like every man in America, studying World War Two. studying World War Two. I am going to dedicate the second half of my life, and I've already started a number of years ago, to studying World War One, which is even more informative about how things <laughs> developed internationally and really is more interesting uh, and really, frankly, was more of a world war. I mean, they were fighting in a broader geography in World War One than they were in World War II. Of course, the big one, more people died, 55 million uh, globally, but it was a crazy time when you still had these great powers all spread out throughout Europe and, of course, Russia being obligated to come in uh, and protect it's it's uh, allies and Germany coming in and protecting Austria, Hungary. Uh, so many of these countries didn't want war. You had the great powers 
going to the colonies of their enemies and trying to help, you know, Ireland rebel against the UK. The Germans wanted to help Ireland. Fascinating, fascinating subject. I really commend our caller uh, for his for his knowledge. Imagine, and some people, few people have made this argument. And I think they're absolutely right. From to try to get yourself in Putin's mind. I don't think he's a good guy. I don't think he should have gone to war. I think there may be other aggressive things he could have done, like cutting off the natural gas, gas to Europe to, to get what he wanted before going to war. Um, not a Putin guy. But imagine yourself in a Putin-like situation. We got a lot of anti-China people in America. They're all hardcore China hawks. I, I'm not one of them, but we have a lot of them. Put yourself in the perspective of an American president looking at Mexico and or Canada putting troops, possibly nuclear weapons on the, our north and our south border or one or the other or both, would that be acceptable to the United States? We have a Monroe Doctrine that basically tells Asia and Europe, hands off the Western Hemisphere. I mean, that's been in place since the early, fairly early days of the Republic. So yes, we're seeing horrible pictures and horrible video, but uh, again, in the rush to retweet and virtue signal and put yes. your little Ukrainian you. flag in your in your window, maybe mm -hmm. educate yourself a little more about the complexity of what's going on here. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, uh, back in January, it's sort of like you had no idea what the Ukraine was. Uh, here you are in March, telling everybody yes. what we need to do on something that you know nothing about. I, uh, we we were reluctant to talk about this. I think from its inception because I just didn't want to see this go anywhere. And it was really sort of uninteresting in a lot of ways. I mean, there was nothing that was notable about this because it could have been quashed and, and put away. But then all of a sudden we were watching these countries go to the United Nations and then the security councils and they had a beef and Ukraine didn't want to back down because the United States was propping it up. Like, well, well hey, 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 stop, stop. You're like poking the, stop it, stop. And they just said, we knew exactly what we we're going to do. We know where his uh, hot buttons are. Or as my uh, kids call it, the, uh, the the wireless, uh, the, the hotspot. <laughs> Dad, can I connect to your hotspot? It's hilarious. Can we do that <laughs> all day long? Uh, and as soon as you knew where uh, Putin's hotspots were, boom, we're just going to keep pressing on those. And he's told you before, eight years, he had to tell you again, and now he was showing you. And one of the things is, 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 is so this all sounds like a World War One sounds like a bar fight, right? You get it. It's like one of those crazy things. Someone gets hit over here. Yeah, someone's getting hit over here. You have no idea who has a beef with who. You just know punches are flying and it could be anything at any time, right? There's no rhyme or reason. It's just who threw the first punch. And then you have 1914 Archbishop, uh, I mean, Arch uh, Ferdinand. So you, you look at these things and you say to yourself, okay, well, how could this have been stopped? Well, the United States knew because they were told by a very serious man who told you, what I did not want you to do, you need to do engage us. And now we don't have his help in anything. Now we've cut off 12 million barrels of oil and that's fine. We should have been uh, completely and totally self-sufficient, but we're having arguments with ourselves. We're having arguments with Russia. We're having arguments about what to do about the Ukraine. Like the whole thing is just like a complete and total family breakup at this point. This isn't helping the United States. And you have Russia, any dissent, will be subjected and will be pushed down. We arrested 13,000 people. We will keep people in line. We will shut down propaganda. Yeah. Do I think it's propaganda here in the United States? 110%. Every video, every quip, every clip from the left to the right. It's all about trying to demonize again, the people who are keeping us out of conflict. And those were the Trump supporters. Trump and Trump are like, oh, wow, we just want to sit on the beach, drink beer, have some margaritas, and listen to Jimmy Buffett. 
<laughs> I mean, that's essentially what you got with Trump. It's like, and Trump told you exactly how it was going to go because he understands conflict. He understands combat. Go back to, I'm going to go back one more time to Wyatt Earp. It's like, he tells his brother, he says, I had to shoot a man and put him down. And that's not something that you want on your conscience. I haven't been in a fight since I was like in fifth grade, I think. I think I told you this story before, Doug. Yep. The best way to be a fighter is to avoid a fight. And you, oh, that Eddie Aragon, he's warring, he's this, that. Like, you won't find me in a fight with anybody. I know how to uh, uh, avoid conflict. That's what the United States needs to learn how to do. And the way to do it was headed off and think steps ahead. One of the great things about Trump, way steps ahead. You know, we're playing checkers while, you know, we're playing chess with Trump while everyone else is playing checkers. Everyone used to say that. Now we've got a guy who can't even hold up a, a checkerboard, has no idea where the, the red and black pieces go at this point because he's being told. Someone is leading us into this particular position. We are in a compromised and bad position. Eddie, Eddie, uh, just just to ahead. add to uh, add to the, the distinction between the guy in the White House right now and the guy who, in my view, should should still be in the White House. Wall Street Journal a couple of days ago ran an interview with a uh, Hoover Institution historian, Russian expert, seventy four year old guy, world experience, really smart. On November tenth, the United States, November tenth of twenty twenty one, when uh, you know who was in the White House and you know who was no longer in the White House. The U.S. and the Ukraine signed what's called a Charter on Strategic Partnership. It asserted that uh, America's support for the Ukraine's right to pursue membership in NATO. Uh, this agreement added heft to looser assurances that Ukraine had received as a NATO, at a NATO summit five months earlier. Uh, Mr. Service, uh, the scholar, characterizes these moves as shambolic mismanagement by the West, and they offered Ukraine encouragement on the NATO question, but gave no apparent thought how such a tectonic move away from Moscow would go down with Mr. Putin. Quote, nothing was done to prepare the Ukrainians for the kind of negative response that they would get, close quote. Would that agreement, that charter, be? would it have been signed by the Trump White House? We'll, no. we'll never know, but come on. It would mean, have Trump a, had a much a, more realistic view of, of international relations. On a personality uh, front. Just assessing the type of leader that they had, uh, Trump would say that this Zelensky is not a serious man. He's a comedian. I remember when he got elected. It was like, a, well, they elected a comedian who pretended to play a president. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't that he got? Wasn't he playing a president? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the whole entire thing. It's like oh, this is just all a complete and total setup. Trump would have turned around and said, "This is not a serious man. I cannot talk with this guy. He is not serious." Eddie and Dowd, if you would like to watch some analytical dialogue about the early days of the Cold War with Russia, I would suggest, I don't, I'm not interested in the Cold War with Russia. I'm not interested in revisiting and going back to it or getting back into one. But right now we're about, we're on the brink of that. We continue our stupid behavior. One fail safe by Don's early light. Those will make it possible to go back to see a time when the situations could have been if Russia or the U.S. initiated the first strike through the fall. I don't want to think about missiles flying in the air. I almost feel like there's some of you out there who are dreaming of being a part of Armageddon or the apocalypse. I doubt it. Would you disagree with that statement? I, I would absolutely agree that there are there's a segment of the population, whether it's the end times in the book of Revelation, whether it's climate change, uh, whether it's the aliens coming to Earth. These people are obsessed with living in some sort of profound time, some somewhere where they can rise to the challenge. I think, Eddie, very few of these people have ever experienced deprivation and war themselves. So uh, I'd like to kind of keep the, the, the normal, not the new normal. I want to go back to the old normal. <laughs>
<clears throat> Doubt I, I haven't read this yet, but I, the, the way it starts out, I am so ready to read this. Hey, Eddie, heard your opening monologue and as a Christian. If you come at me one more time with as a Christian, seriously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like ignite fire on you. You don't need to justify your religious beliefs or virtue signal where you're coming from at this. At this point, Americans are Muslim, they're Christian, they're everything. And during this time, and if you're saying all these neocons who believe in Jesus Christ are somehow believers and Christians, you're dead wrong. They're trying to lead us all into this giant hall of sheep getting slaughtered. Let me, let me, let me, let me go. I just want to remind you, the people listening about scripture verse where God promises to help bless and spare our nation if we but turn to him with a repentant heart. You think uh, should who's going to respond first? Is it going to be Biden or Jesus Christ at this point? You know, let's, let's get real here. The verse is 2 Chronicles 714. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sin and heal their land. I personally take God at his word and find great hope for our country, contingent, of course. But if enough people will turn but to him again, there are many that are praying in our nation for revival, for a mass turning of the people of the United States to turn to God and his son. I certainly am, and I hope that your listeners will do the same. I wholeheartedly believe that faith in God is our country's only true and valid hope. Okay, so I would agree with that. But at the very same time, I'm going to disagree about the timing. You don't hurry up and get something done because, oh, you better look busy because God is coming. This was, this was meant to do a long time ago. It was meant to, I got into one of the biggest arguments I ever got in with anybody, with a guy by the name of Steve Sanchez. And I was on the wrong side of the argument because he said something and I was not very happy with Trump at the time. Okay. This was, this was early, early, early on. Like just as he started, I want to say like July or something like that. Dad. Okay. And I said, well, th this guy can't represent, this guy can't represent, you know, 25th, July 25th, it's like, this guy can't re re represent Christians. I mean, look at the stuff, look at the things he's done in his background. He says, listen to this, listen to this. And this prophetic preacher came out and said, this is the way it has to be ushered in. It's not the way that you would think it is. And this is what's going to happen. And then, lo and behold, for the next five years, we saw exactly what we thought we should see. And it was awesome. And for those people who know what I just said, uh, you know who you are. Crimea, sorry, no, let's see. Uh, just giving Putin the contested eastern Ukraine and Crimea make Ukraine neutral. Well, yeah, that's half the country, right? Many of our leaders are evil masons. Yes, they are. Crimea, sorry, not crime. Stupid spell check. Okay. Hi, Eddie. Um, no, I haven't uh, looked at that. Unfortunately, President Biden was always going to be compromised. The Chinese, Russians, Ukrainians probably have info about him and his family. They do. We know that. You have it because it's everywhere it was on a computer uh, down the street of the fbi in albuquerque but uh, right, we didn't look right. at which he could be blackmailed Biden is weak morally bankrupt and incompetent your last caller was spot on the reason libertarians don't win is because they get co-opted by clowns tom delay comes to mind gary johnson quoting a jim villanucci etc if you value liberty libertarian is the only party that offers it ron paul is the voice of liberty and the constitution times like these this is the time to go that third rail isn't it doubt uh, that, that you wish it was uh, first row, but there's a lot of there's a lot of goofy people in the libertarian party. Uh, just let, let, let me remind you, folks. Uh, there's two types of libertarians. There's capital L libertarians who are political well, activists, and there are philosophical libertarians like me, lowercase L. <laughs> yeah, uh, a couple more. Diesel is five forty five at Key West Santa Domingo. Well, I'll tell you what. There you go. I'm sure they they really need the money. Um, 
regular four. I, I don't need to. You don't need to tell me the gas prices. We all know the best movie ever. Thank you. Appreciate. Uh, here's Sean Penn reaching out to Alec Baldwin on how to save the Ukraine. That's hilarious. That's a, <laughs> the statement. Lost connection. Uh, but if your text gets through, okay. So I, I'm assuming. So this guy Yo is from Nashville. Uh, militarism says we judge the rights of countries by their strength. And that's the one way to look at the situation for sure. But if might makes right in this case, why not in all cases? No one's saying that uh, what Putin is doing is right. So, yo, I would argue with you here is no one's saying that Putin's doing, he's doing what he must in his mind. In his mind, yeah. So there you go. I mean, no one's saying that might makes right, but uh, it sure it certainly pays the bills, folks. Uh, if you can uh, justify your own way. The United States were weakened militarily and a superior force invaded us. Do we lose all rights to our sovereignty? Yes. Yeah, that's the whole idea. I think we need to go back to uh, that reference of John Mearsheimer being 19th century, not 21st century. Right, think, right, is, right. That, is that what you're thinking of, Dad? Yep, I think yep, you are. Yep. Yeah, yep. I think Realpolitik, yeah. yes. yes, if, yes. You, if you can't protect your country, you can't protect your house, you lose it. That's the way it is. Yes, you lose all sovereignty. There's nothing that guarantees you a thing. Think of uh, think of it like Tony Montana. All I got in this war is my is the my balls and my word, and I'll break them for anyone. That's the way to think about this. Yeah, I know, I, I I know it's raw, it's it's visceral, it's in your face. It, trust me, that's the way to think about this. If you can't write the checks, your body can't cash. Right to to quote Top Gun, you don't get to have a country. And you can't stand up because well, they said they were going to back. Well, I'm Biden, are you going to come back us? Uh, U.S. Did yeah. There you go. That's exactly what's happening. All right. Um, I would think you would have to say no. No, you don't have to say anything. The country gets to dictate to you. You get invaded. I mean, hasn't everybody been talking about Red Dawn lately? I think so. That's why I say the rights of Ukrainians to decide things for themselves should not be infringed upon. The Ukrainians, half of them are Russian. It shouldn't be infringed upon, but it's up to the Ukraine to preserve that. And it's up to NATO to, NATO to make the determination whether or not they're going to be willing to accept them to protect them, to keep them in. Doesn't mean the U.S. or NATO should intervene. Yes, it does, because they can't protect themselves, because you're trying to guarantee them an outcome that they cannot guarantee for themselves. Thereby, if they can't guarantee it for themselves and NATO and the U.S. is unwilling to do it for them, then they cease to exist. That's how countries get conquered. Also, to say the Ukraine cannot defend itself, it can't. Again, that's pretty militaristic. It, doubt is uh, what I said when I uh, stating a fact about the Ukraine cannot defend itself. What do you think about that? That's, <laughs> that's interesting because that, that, there's an emotional element. You're limited by the camera. You're limited by the coverage. You're limited by the network. You're limited by various pieces of all this, right? To make that determination, what, can, what it can and can't do. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, as a professional researcher right now, Eddie, I have no opinion on what's going on over there. We are, we've gotten so much bad information. Uh, you know, if you, if you told me that uh, Putin's about to withdraw the troops or that the whole country of Ukraine is, is going to be conquered tomorrow, I'd believe both of them. I mean, yeah. and, and both sides are playing the agitprop game really well. I mean, I talk to people occasionally and they'll certainly rich whitey over in Corrales and whatever the story of the day is this morning, it was the Russian bombing of the hospital in, in Maripool. Oh, yeah, I don't, I, may, maybe it happened exactly as they're saying, but you know yeah. what? There has been so much bad information that's come out of that conflict. And this goes back. I'm an older man. I'm 49 years old. Um, 
when Saddam invaded Kuwait, I was in Washington. The little girl who testified on Capitol Hill, I watched them take the babies out of the incubators. What did we find out months later? She was the daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States, and she saw nothing. Um, you know, Tonkin Gulf, uh, all these other examples of, of uh, in our own intelligence services, uh, to hear that we just read you the assessment of the, the, the national assessment about, oh, we got to look out for Russian cyber attacks. The intelligence services in our country have a, an unbroken record of appalling uh, 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 misinterpretation of facts. There was a, a study done, I think it was in the early 80s or the late 70s, Daniel Patrick Moynihan used to say it all the time, cited all the time, and he said the official estimate was that East Germany's GDP per capita was higher than West Germany. That was the federal government intelligence analysts saying that. The CIA said something like a week before the Shah fell, Oh, the Shah is solid in Iran in 1979. This revolution's going to fade away to nothing. I, I don't trust anything I'm hearing. Uh, and that doesn't make me pro or anti one side or the other. I think, frankly, the propaganda in an era of social media and everybody having a camera phone, it's just been ratcheted up to, to 11 at this point. Maybe five years from now, I'll go back and read what actually is happening in Ukraine right now. I don't believe anything right now. I, I believe it's been well honed over COVID-19. Uh, oh, yeah. There are people who are unable to run away from their narrative. They're running around with masks and uh, they're putting uh, still levels of, of, of threat assessments on that. And they happen to be the smartest people in the entire city. That would be Sandia National Labs. You have PhDs who are running. I'm like, yeah, here's the problem with all this. Like, have you not read anything else that's out there? It's just mm -hmm. kind of incredible. All right. We should probably get to that stuff because then I got Rebecca Dow. Uh, and uh, uh, for hour number three, <clears throat> he says, uh, also to say the Ukraine cannot defend itself. Again, that's pretty militaristic. Would you tell a gun owner who owns a gun partly to defend against the fear of tyranny is wrong because they couldn't possibly be the state power? No, I'm saying you need to know. You need to know when you're outgunned, outmanned, and you lost. And I'm and Putin is telling Ukraine and the West that you've lost. So there's nothing else here to hear. I I, I would hope you wouldn't. No, I would like. Let's do an assessment. Let's lay everything. And it's a math problem. This is exactly why I said it. And. You don't need to. You don't need to uh, assess things from a standpoint of hope of wishful thinking. Wishful mm -hmm. thinking is what got the Ukrainians here. Wishing and hoping and praying are not strategies, folks. Okay, not in real politique. It's not going to happen. Understand, the reality is not being acknowledged, and you're fueling the wrong side of this because you're bleeding hearts. No amount of coffee or things or donations or anything is going to change the outcome of this. Okay? Anything done after today is vanity, as I've told you. All right. I would appear currently Ukraine cannot, it would appear that uh, Ukraine cannot defend itself currently. I feel for the Ukrainian people. I do too. I think that's what we I all do. Too. I think the Russian people feel for the Ukrainian people. Uh, Eddie, I feel for the Russian conscripts, the young men who are being sent in the, into battle. Obviously, some of them have them. been killed. I, I don't want them; those men to die. But they have to. That's their that's their duty. But I do not think their continued existence is worth American blood or treasure. <laughs> Precisely the point that exactly. I could say nothing else at this point. Exactly. exactly. That's all you have to say. That yeah, that's exactly. all you have to say. Yep. It's not our fight. We have plenty of problems of our own. That's uh, from uh, Matt in Rear Ranch. I've got a lot more. Uh, <clears throat> here we go. Ukraine is kicking Russian ass, Eddie. It's not all propaganda. I said 100% propaganda. They're trying to drag us into it for sure, and those cheering won't be the ones sacrificing themselves or their loved ones. I have skin in the game if that happens. My view is to let Ukraine and Russia figure it out, and we need to avoid war at all costs. Okay, so why are we having any conversation about it? 
Why are we talking about the 6,000 miles around the world when this is a regional conflict? Uh, and Zelensky literally got Pony Express with the paper and said, here are demands. We agree to them. We just want you to be neutral. Stop being uncool to us. We want Zelensky to be cool. Hell, we think he's the West. He's having game show playing the piano with his penis on T-National TV. This is who the guy is. And this is who we are not or are defending. I think there's something bigger here that we're missing. What are we missing that's bigger? There's, this is simple. Okay. So we'll do that. Uh, we're going to do this uh, when we return. Uh, we've got a couple of callers, but I've got I've to run to a break. So uh, hang on the line uh, if you want, and we'll try and take uh, your calls uh, right here in the Kiva. On AM 1600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Uh, I have always been, uh, I think this is the perfect song for us right here. Little Suspicious Minds, right? Uh, I think that's where doubt is uh, as well. 541, back and forth. What you doing to me? When you don't believe the word I'm saying. sound like that i don't think anyone sounds like that guy. that guy that rob haltham is just uh and no one's got a voice like that uh, i gotta say that uh d musk uh, here in the kiva with me we're gonna race through some things uh, not the least of which is his write-up uh from earlier today let's see if uh, there's anything worth uh, uh being on the line here real quick call you in the kiva go ahead yeah just um a couple of things that struck me quick, quick as quick. i was listening to you guys uh, talk okay. uh two things that struck me that uh you know, since Donald Trump came in, uh-huh. he sort of gave uh, everybody on the right permission to, uh, first of all, question what are we doing in these wars. And I now yep. find that the most anti uh, let's go to war party is now the most conservative. And the other thing he uh, did as one. a New York billionaire was to uh, get the blue collar and the working man behind him, mm-hmm. which is uh, ironic, to say the least. And I just think it's interesting that that used to be the purview of the left. Uh, they're anti-war and they love the working man, and uh, they're now the party of the country club and the elite, and uh, they don't really like anybody that drives a truck or works for a living. Uh, so uh, so. You, you sound like a Trump supporter, and that's awesome. I think that's great, or I should say uh, was great. Uh, well, you, I'm you... sort of a – I'm a doubt. Uh, I'm, I'm like doubt. I didn't vote for the man the first time, but by the time he came around the second time, I said, how could you not? 
Okay. Based on what he did. So yeah. do, do you know if he were to uh, be running again? Do you know how old he would be if he's running again? Uh, he's uh, he'd be mid seventies somewhere. Yeah, he's uh, seventy five. He'll be seventy eight by the he? time he takes another swearing of office. Yeah. What was the problem that we yeah. had with Joe Biden? Uh, sort of physically inept uh, to take office. It kind of yeah. getting hazy or making fun of his age, and then you know all the rest of the baggage. I, I'm with you. I'm as big a supporter as Trump as. Anybody in the entire right. state, you know that. You've been probably listening to me forever. But I will tell you one thing that I think that is most interesting to me is we've got some youth and experience and someone who's actually in the fight. Trump has abandoned the fight all of last year. Uh, you know that because he's been nowhere to be right. found. And suddenly we're, we're having these rallies and various other things. So I like him stepping into the fire. I hope he helps out with the midterms. And uh, I would take yeah. you on both of their points. And I would agree wholeheartedly on both of those. So I think that's a, a both very good point. We're not war hawkish. Yeah, we're the most conservative. Uh, that is, uh, you know, definitely true. And the blue collar, that's exactly where he got it. How did Donald Trump win? You remember? Yeah. Well, and, and I just well, think how, it's wait, interesting. Wait, that, was a, that was a question, actually. I didn't want you to. I wanted, uh, <laughs> do you remember how he won? How, how did he win? Yeah. Uh, they, well, they thought uh, Hillary had it, had it in the bag, and she didn't have to go uh, work at it. And no, Donald no, Trump no, appealed... Let's be more. Let's put a Donald finer, Trump appealed to the working man. Let's be no. Let's be more. Let's be more finer. Finer point on this, and that of course was the unions. That was the Midwest. She abandoned uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, those areas. Those places were squarely right. in the corner for that, and it was by USA. And it wasn't. Uh, he was right there with Bernie, right? The TPP stuff. Do you re- does anybody recall? Remember this stuff? Remember, yeah. it was the it was the globalists. They can't stop doing what they're doing, and we're all like, "Buy USA." And what's uh, what's Biden? Everybody doing right now? They're like, "Buy USA." Good call. I appreciate that. All right, good one. All right, uh, Dowd, uh, your write up from earlier today. Uh, MLG boy, she is uh, she is the job killer. We're fiftieth. I I heard Bob. I haven't listened to Bob Clark in some time. Uh, by the way, Dowd, I should it should be uh, should be known. I listened to him this morning. It's like he's listening to our sh- our show all the time. <laughs> he's talking about labor participation rates. He's talking about wow. unemployment. If, oh, yeah, the guy is kind of getting all wonky all of a sudden. Interesting. Yeah. And they, well, and Rush called himself the show prep for the rest of the media. Maybe that's what we are, Eddie. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, well, I know we are for KDAZ. Uh, it's uh, soon to be for them. Uh, you know what's really funny is um, not only was he talking about they actually had somebody with a Hispanic accent on their station talking about what's your favorite brand of chili. I'm like, Bob Clark, you're a moron. If you can tell the difference in chili uh, as if it's like fine wine, uh, where do you prefer your chili from? Well, Lemitar. You couldn't tell me the difference between Hatch and Lemitar or the rest yeah. of these places, you idiot. Like, this yeah. is just so everyone is virtue signaling one thing or another because they just want to be light. I just want to be, I just want to be loved. That's a good point. I, I I can tell the difference between probably at least thirty of our apple varieties at the orchard, but green chili is that that'd be a little tougher. I would. Yeah, say. good try. To, yeah, you know why? Because <laughs> there's no palate to that's done. It's uh, varying uh, variants of hotness. Uh, so I, that's one uh, thing I will ask Rebecca Dow on. I will ask oh, okay. her about because she's down. She's down south. That's where the chili comes from. Uh, one thing you will not hear Bob Clark talk about, or anyone else in the New Mexico media, Eddie. Uh, I will uh, report to you today. New Mexico, as of a revision to the federal data that, that came out last week, not one media outlet has reported this because, you know, why would they? they would, they'd be doing their job. New Mexico now has the highest unemployment rate in the United States. It stands alone. We're number one, ladies and gentlemen. We're not tied with anyone. Uh, I, I, I leave out D.C. because I don't consider D.C. part of the country. So among the 50 states, we now have 
the worst unemployment rate in the country. And you can read about this at rockoftalk.chat. But I ran across that stat, uh, Eddie, when I was a couple days ago, started research on this article. I've been looking at February 2020. You know, you've got Donald Trump in office. You've got the lowest unemployment rate for blacks and Hispanics and young people and old people and purple people and green people. Economy. Maybe that's what we have. Maybe we have the maybe we have the lowest uh, uh, an unemployment rate for blacks. Maybe that's what she's really kind of. Oh, did you okay. look at that? Did you find we have that? To, well, that's a small sample size. Two point nine percent of the population <laughs> in New Mexico. So I, I've. Uh, last year, I started tracking the employment data on February 2020 up to the current time when I was doing the research. And it was interesting. Most states had not gained back the level of jobs they had back in February 2020 before everything went into the dumpster, dumpster fire. It was only nine states. So I checked the most recent data. 19 states now have more jobs overall than they did before the Rona. So that's a good number. The, the country's positive. trending toward everyone red in the right direction. Now, there's still a fair amount of states and even some states that are that are, you know, low tax right to work. Say uh, Florida, probably in the next month or two is going to is going to go over into net pop uh, net job growth. They're just on the on the cusp of it. But New Mexico, of course, was still in negative territory the last time I looked at it. Since I updated it over the last couple de uh, days, six states have jumped ahead of us uh, in terms of they were worse off than wow. us. Now they're better. Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Massachusetts, Kentucky, and Rhode Island. They are now doing better. New Mexico, this is unbelievable, folks, when you hear this. We are 3.4% down in terms of our overall jobs than where we were two years ago. We have negative net growth over a two-year period. That's how bad things are. We are down in New York, Maryland, California, Michigan, Connecticut territory. Uh, Vermont is actually at 8%. I don't think any state's ever going to match uh, Vermont at 8%. So I'm surveying the map. I'm, I'm, I'm crunching the data. Funny thing pops up right away. All five, all five of New Mexico's neighbors are in net positive job oh, yeah. growth yeah, since the pre-Rona month. Okay. Now, you want to really rub salt in the wound? What's the number one state for job growth since before the Rona? That would be Utah, our neighbor. What's the number two state for net job growth since the Rona? That would be Arizona, our other neighbor. So we are next to the number one and the number two states uh, among our five neighbors. Number one and number two, we border. And it's interesting, Eddie, I looked at right to work status. There's a couple mm -hmm. of states, Oregon, New Hampshire, Montana, Delaware, they're in positive territory despite not being a right-to-work state. Uh, I looked at energy dependence, you know, in terms of having a big energy industry. We mm. saw a great swoon. I know no one sees that swoon right now with gas prices, but for the last two years, I mean, our energy consumption has been way down. Alaska and West Virginia, very dependent on energy extraction. They are in positive territory. Our five neighbors are in positive territory. There's no particular reason why we have to be as bad as we are, but again, New York, Maryland, Connecticut, uh, California, Michigan, Hawaii, Illinois, New Jersey, the worst of the worst, all of them were hardcore lockdown states. And of course, New Mexico is on that list as well. Yeah, we, were, we were 50th in the lockdown. Remember, we came out dead last and then all of a sudden it's like, 
suddenly, you know, February 18th happened. It's like, oh, I have a news conference. I'm just going to rip on my mask and say, well, yeah, you know, it's trust the science. And uh, suddenly we're all free. Uh, the end of the nine months to reelection, Eddie. <laughs> the old clock is ticking on the wall. Um, yeah. So uh, we are headed for, I think, a, a bottom 10 finish in terms of our worst job um, recovery. And we are. According to the federal data, not D. Dowd Muska, we have the highest unemployment rate. They revised the numbers last week. We have on our own, we stand alone with the worst unemployment rate in the country. We are not growing our jobs. We are Our rankings are dropping relative to other states. And when you're not creating jobs, the people who are going out and looking for jobs aren't finding jobs, which is why we're at 5.9% unemployment, the worst in the country. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the only media outlet in the state of New Mexico, to my knowledge, which has reported this data to you. And again, another reason to subscribe no, uh, at RocketTalk.chat. Bob Clark did say they were dead last. He did say that. So wow, he, he, he didn't get into the details of all of it, but no, okay, he, he okay. did say he did say that. I will, I will give Bob at least that, uh, you know, and and whatever. So uh, one last thing, I think it's important. And we're going to touch upon, so let, let me preface everything by saying we will cover Staley, New Mexico fire. Dowd, I can see how much you want to cover that story. It is, uh, it, it's the gift that keeps on it's giving. You know, it was Staley, uh, home to uh, Tony Anaya, uh, who yep. recently lost a uh, former governor of the state of New Mexico during a very bad time. Um, not to mention, uh, last time you were paying this proportionate level of uh, income uh, uh, for, for your gas. And then, of course, Stanley, home of Bruce King, right? He used to do the, Remember when he used to stick a... Well, you don't remember because you weren't around then, but I remember Bruce King used to stick his hands up uh, like uh, uh, like Nixon. That's the way he'd put his head down and his hand up like that, like he couldn't hear. <laughs> Both of those guys from Stanley, New Mexico. So there you go. 25% uh, increase of anxiety and depression worldwide. We'll talk about that. Rancho Public Schools uh, talking about social-emotional health programs. Uh, hilarity. I don't know what's going on over there, but the blues are really trying to seep in. And then just talk about, you know, the uh, educational crisis. We'll do all that tomorrow uh, with you. Top five, make it super fast, uh, if you don't mind. D-Dowd super, Musk. super fast at rockatalk.chat. You can get the links, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, most clicked, B-52s, the bomber, oh. not the rock group, uh, being oh. refurbished. Uh, number two, Hector Balderas is a moron. Uh, number three, a Wisconsin school district says you don't have the right to know if your child is trans. Uh, number four, Georgetown <laughs> researchers documenting the failure of college degrees. And number five, Ben Ray Lujan weighs in on, you guessed it, U.S. competitiveness, as if he knows anything about that. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, bright and early, 4 p.m. I'll be back for hour three. Rebecca Dow and me having a little conversation about who gubernatorial run will do that when we return. Thanks everybody for tuning in on AM 1600 KIVA, abq.fm,
nobody's face And that's a desperate way to look for someone who is still a child In a big country dream, stay with you Like a lover's voice on the mountainside Stay alive 606 in the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk, AM 1600 KIBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Or if you want to subscribe commercial free uh, with you, me, and the Dowd Makes Three, you can do so uh, directly at, well, rockoftalk.chat. You can download our app at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. In studio here is uh, one Rebecca Dow. She's running for governor, the great state. Of, do we say the great state of New Mexico uh, here? I think we do. Uh, Rebecca joins us live here in studio. How are you, Rebecca? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and this I, is a great state. We just have bad government. There we go. Well, it, I'll tell you, we are, uh, we've, we've got to start from the top because you've been active. The legislature it was a short session. And uh, just since you're really the only gubernatorial candidate, who's been in there in the trenches up in Santa Fe in the legislature. Let's jump into that, uh, shall we? What happened? Uh, give us a, a quick overview of what was successful, what wasn't, and uh, where we uh, sort of fell short. Well, you know, the, the conservatives are outnumbered two to one. And so it's difficult for us to pass good bills. It's also difficult to seal bad bills. And so in the, you know, right when the legislative session started, the governor came out, did her state of the state, state address virtually, uh, not in person. You know, okay. she was remotely located to give the state of the state address and, and sounded like a Republican. I mean, she was talking about eliminating the tax on Social Security income, something that I've been co-sponsoring for years, giving veterans uh, a, a relief on their tax on their retirement income, which needs to happen a long, long time ago. And we've Republicans have been carrying that. She talked about being tough on crime. She talked about all kinds of tax cuts and reforms. And then she had this ambitious, out of control, uh, extreme environmentalist agenda that would further complicate and create more crisis for our for energy in New Mexico, an energy producing state, and put us in a situation where folks right here in Albuquerque are are threatened with blackouts and and rolling outages. So she had this big ambitious agenda, and I think that the uh, House and the Senate for the it was the most collaborative effort I had seen between the minority in the House and the Senate. I we saw were that. Yeah. Coordinated. Yeah. Very coordinated in our efforts. We did the very best that we could. Uh, we debated uh, things in committee. We asked lots of questions. We slowed stuff down. Uh, folks out across New Mexico were engaging with us and helping to call the governor's constituent hotline, you know, send emails and, and send calls to their, to their legislators and say, pass this bill, don't pass this bill. And so I think in the end, we had a pretty good session. I, I, the last week was a pretty hard week. I think I slept about 16 hours Monday through Thursday. Oh, wow. 28-hour straight debate to kill the clean fuel standard bill that would have raised taxes 50 cents more than what we're paying right now. They wanted to put a 50-cent tax on a gallon of gas. And, and that was a governor initiative. She thought that was a good idea. Aren't we glad that didn't happen? So we're now hearing about this this week where she wants to roll back the taxes and you know, she's going nationally, congressionally, uh, you know, uh, to, to the U.S. Congress, along with five other Democrats, I guess, from across the country, uh, Rebecca, to say, oh, we need to uh, kill the federal tax. But she wanted to increase it 50 cents here. Right. So let's say add 50, subtract 35. How'd you guys defeat it? Yeah. Well, we debated. We debated 28 hours straight. And the two things that we killed in that 28 hours was that horrible gas tax bill and a voter bill that was one and a half pages and 
suddenly became 164 pages and had all kinds of provision in it that could create opportunities for fraud. So uh, we worked really hard to get that done. And I'm going to have to take a little bit of credit for her getting rid of the mask mandate. We put a lot of pressure on her. Uh, I've been introducing bills to eliminate the mask mandate. They never get a hearing. Uh, Families, students started protesting. Families started calling the governor's constituent hotline. Where where could they protest? I mean, you can't enter the building. You need to have a vaccination. You got to have, I mean, we've, we're mask crazy here in the, in the uh, state of New Mexico, by the way, it is worse in uh, Tucson, Arizona. I might tell you where they have an entirely blue city council. having just recently visited there, Rebecca. And let me tell you, um, when I went there, like there was, they were mask crazy everywhere. I was like, well, I guess there could potentially be a place worse than New Mexico in all of this. So uh, tell me how you were able to uh, get her to claim victory for that on the 18th of February. (laughs) Well, Secretary Scraze, I saw him in person for the first time since COVID started. Uh, He's only been communicating with us through Zoom and he was on the House floor. I went over and talked to him on Tuesday. You know, she released the mask mandate on Thursday. On Tuesday, he said at least, you know, six months, there was these 12 triggers that had to be taken care of. One was no healthcare workforce shortage. That's never going to happen. One was the capacity yep. at the ICU units. That was an impossible measure to meet. And he was saying six six months. And the governor had just uh, strong-armed UNM and NMSU to stop having concessions at their sporting events. So there was no end to that mass mandate. It was students in Artesia, students in Carlsbad, students across the state that started protesting, high schoolers, parents who started calling the constituent hotline. And I think the governor's just utter failure of reaching her agenda during the session and, you know, between Tuesday and Thursday, she changed her mind and voila, the science. Yeah, the science, the science of elections. Oh, That's the what it is. Science. It's uh, the political science. Oh, political uh, tell science. us, uh, this is the first time you're here in studio and here you hail, oh, tell us where you hail from. Tell us how long you've been up in Santa Fe. We're getting to know you. You know, I have uh, Greg Zanetti here a lot. Uh, you know, Jay Block has been here a lot, but this is your first time being here in, in studio. I have yet to have uh, Mark Ronchetti. There's nobody else uh, amongst the four of you. would love to have a debate with all of you, but our audience wants to get to know you, Rebecca. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family. I know that you have a, a new grandbaby that you talk about a lot. So share it all with the people in the Kiva. Well, first, I think folks need to know that this has got to be the coolest studio I've ever seen. Really? Like, Is this the really out? coolest? Like, did you have a professional no, designer No, it's just do this? me. I'm, wow. uh, I'm totally nutty. Wow. Uh, so that's uh, I mean, for one. Eric out. loves There's it. There's a fireplace. There's uh, like rugs and fireplaces. Yeah, so, I'm like, I feel like I should have my political director with me here. So Eric uh, loves this place. Uh, he is yeah. uh, uh, he is the caretaker, as he puts it. Uh, he loves uh, this place and he feels like home. And I'm glad that uh, you feel like home. And I appreciate the compliment. Yeah. So my home is truth or consequences. My dad was an oil field worker. So I grew up in the oil field. He's a electrical engineer, yep. kind of an honorary guy. And uh, he became a Christian and ultimately a preacher. And so we moved to truth or consequences when I was 10, where he pastored a church. I grew up there. Okay. I went to college at Or Roberts University, and that's where I met my husband at so 29 years. So the daughter Aaron. of a preacher's daughter. Is that, is that, is that yes. right? Okay, preacher's yes. daughter. Yes, but I, I was a good preacher's kid. My brother okay. was the honorary one, and he was older, okay. and I watched him get in trouble, so I, I, I went a different direction. But, you know, yeah. Good. Footloose is not loosely after me. Footloose, okay, no, yes. I, I, anyway, so, in the movie. yeah, and I was, I was actually at college at Or Roberts University, and we were visiting my parents. It was my sophomore year. I was 24, and I just saw my community through a different lens, and Decided to move back there and uh, fill some community gaps. And I spent 20 years doing that. Uh, home visiting, early childhood, pre-K, a child care center, after school programs. Wow. 
behavioral health clinic, transitional housing, just anything to help families get out of these situations, these these diseases of poverty, perpetual, you know, despair and Mm -hmm. move into their hopes and dreams and and reach self-sufficiency. And that needs to happen at a statewide level. And I'm prepared to do that. So my uh, predecessor, there was an open seat after 18 years of having the same state representative. And I decided to run for that seat. And yeah, I'm, I'm in my third term in the House of Representatives. I just won my, it's a 34% Republican district. Really? It's a majority and minority you, district. Okay, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and I just won by 57 points. And uh-huh. that was with everybody coming after me. Planned Parenthood, okay. multiple unions, Soros, Bloomberg. I'm, I'm looking at Brian you a little bit Egoff, differently now. Brian Egoff, you know. <clears throat> so you're telling me, so you're telling me there's a chance. So that's I'm telling awesome. you, if I make it through the primary, MLG is done. <clears throat> and today what she did, line item vetoing, those, those uh, junior monies that go mm-hmm. to the small community-based organizations, those local community and, and uh, organizations that are so critical to our community. I'm, I, was, I wanted to take a day off. She has inspired me to keep going. You got mentioned in an article. I did. Yeah. Well, it went out on your press release. So, um, no, I did? Oh, yeah. It stated that you were mentioned <laughs> in an article. Now. I got yeah. folks now. You saw me so, making my own Facebook post, but, you know, yeah, I had well, to get someone to help me with scheduling. I, I, I'm, you know. I think, thankfully, I don't know what Facebook is, and neither do many of our listeners here. Ah. They are radio, they're audible, they're tuned into that. We know that we can't trust uh, these social media companies very often. Uh, The first casualty of war, of course, is truth, and that seems to be such the case uh, with social media. But I want to slow it down a little bit here because, um, you know, we look at the prism of this 2022 election, and you just told me 34%, and you got elected in the 34%. You said you won by 57 points? Yeah, that was with a libertarian. Okay. People we, ask me so who my opponent was, and I say it was Brian Egoff. Okay, so let, let me, I want to slow down, okay? Because sure. now people want to know why you think you have a chance and then why you want to be governor. And uh, I think you sort of answered those, but I want to I be more specific before we get into some of these uh, items that we're going to discuss here today after getting to know you. Um, because we're, we're going to drill into these. And then, of course, we're going to you know, ask you about certain other things uh, as well and uh, things that are taking place right in your backyard. And, you know, because these are things you're going to have to face on the, on, on the road. Sure. And I want you to, you, you, like, you like combat. I know you do. So let's start, you know, sort of first about why you're running, why you're the person for the job, and why you think you can win in the general. Well, it took about 10 minutes to know that MLG must be a one-term governor. And every day, the consequences of her governance becomes more and more obvious. And it was the 60-day session, uh, one bad bill after another, uh, having a governor who governs by fear instead of faith and who is just believes that she has, this headset here makes my hair crazy. It's I'm, I gotta stop looking at <laughs> Like, I look like Pippi Longstocking. Don't, anyway, don't pay so. attention to the. Uh, <laughs> don't pay attention to the video. So, anyways, um, it was just it was, a, it was a heartbreaking, very oppressive spirit. I mean, this is someone who spent multiple million dollars to barricade, double fence the Capitol, deploys the National Guard not to secure our borders, but to keep people out of the governor's, out of the roundhouse, the people's house. And just one bad bill after another, you think they can't get worse and a worse one comes and she's promoting them. We know when it's a governor initiative bill because it has her initials in the corner, MLG next to the to the, the um, number. And uh, you just, you can't make this stuff up how bad the bills are. And um, it was the abortion bill, three-hour debate, listening to, uh, we're considering this a basic human right to him to end the life of a child who is viable outside the, the womb, elective abortion up to birth. 
you know, you can't afford it. Um, you broke up with your boyfriend. Um, you don't want that gender. Whatever the reason may be, elective abortion up to birth, but no standard of care, no um, informed consent. You get more information about the risks of, of getting a tattoo than having a third trimester abortion in the state. And knowing that I, I think women are unique. Yesterday was International Women's Day, and it is offensive to me that we should be uninformed about these decisions that we're making and what they're going to do to our body and what it does to our future opportunities to have another pregnancy, increase risk of cancer. I mean, you could just go on and on. The social emotional impact that is real but ignored and to say that we are not strong enough or capable enough to choose life and have a career and go to school and succeed is insulting to me. To know that abortions are disproportionately happening uh, to children of color and, and are being targeted to low-income, at-risk populations of women is offensive to me. And it, it is heavy. It's a hard uh, debate on the floor. And so I, I just, I, I heard this scripture that I learned growing up, uh, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and fullness of joy. And I, I, there is, there, the spirit up there is oppressive. It is uh, fearful. It is a top-down approach. They don't trust us to make decisions for ourselves, for our family, for our communities, for our businesses. It's just got to end. And so I was looking for the governor candidate that I could support, and I didn't find one because we have to win. And we have I, to win. Yeah, and everyone can talk about how they're going to win. I've done it. Well, I could tell you uh, that is a very, very convincing and good story. It's one of the reasons I ran for mayor uh, to make it relatable. It's like, I can't vote for either of these two guys. I can't get any of my friends to run. And so I got to jump in there and get into the fight because I fight every single day here on the air. Okay. Well, so now, I, so now you told me about that part and I'm mm-hmm. convinced and, and I think that's a, not just a good issue, but I think you've actually been up there fighting too. I think that's important. Uh, so we're seeing that and, uh, you know, we'll get to the bills that you uh, ran uh, this year, but let's talk about why you in particular think you can win uh, without mentioning your competitors and the sure. Republicans. Uh, why you specifically, I mean, you almost won the Republican primary. That was a, a, a mess of uh, whatever that was. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but <laughs> you know, you, know you, that, you lost by, I think, six votes is what we've got there. I'm going to I'm gonna have to say that I'm going to count that as a win. Okay. I've pretty much been okay. in a blackout period for fundraising since okay. Thanksgiving because okay. we had we had special session and then it was the holidays and then we I couldn't raise money from January until after the session ended. So last okay. Monday, I got back on the trail. You know, a lot of my um, competitors were out whipping votes and-, and So you, you couldn't know, campaign- I could campaign, but I was in 30 days of session. I mean, I we were spending... So you couldn't... Yeah, you were fighting for... Yeah, New Mexico. I, okay. Of course. Okay. I mean, I was busy yeah. being a lawmaker. You know, never even entered my mind. I didn't yeah. think about it. So, I mean, like, I, so the fact that we were so close to being first on the ballot, I'm going to call it a win. Okay. Especially, uh-huh. you know, if you know, I, I, there was only one person being attacked, that a bar- just a barrage of attacks. I got, and, I got 12 texts. You uh, got 12 texts. Uh, yeah, uh, it was yeah. kind of uh, interesting. And I got... Some really, really good texts and then uh, some, I got hit from everywhere. And then even mentioning your husband, you know, wow. uh, well, not mentioning your husband specifically, but uh, that you, he had received the text as well, because he's oh, also a yes. uh, ca- uh, state central committee. He was uh, a member. delegate. Delegate. Sorry. Yes. Thank you. So uh, there we go. Okay. So now, yeah. now that you're going to take that as a win, tell me why you think you could win the general and beat Michelle Lujan Grisham. I am going to win the general. If folks that are listening choose to have me as their primary candidate, uh, I am the one candidate that MLG is not prepared to debate. Yep. I actually know the issues. I've watched this in real time. I have. I am very engaged in my district. My district represents New Mexico, demographically, the ages, the you know, the population. That it is representative of New Mexico. 
and I knocked 2,000 doors in the last cycle in the middle of COVID, I know exactly what she's doing. Without, without getting arrested. Without getting arrested. That's right. I would Because <laughs> they get... arrest people in your county, do they oh, not? The churches, they it... take them down. I know, I know Caleb and uh, those, the, the group down there. And... I am never aware of anybody being arrested. At... Well, he wasn't, but they just okay. shut him down so he couldn't keep it, keep it open. Okay. But yeah, I'm not aware of anybody being arrested either. I know that I'm uh, being a little bit hyperbolic in that. But <laughs> if they could have, they would have. But they didn't have the ability to do it. We've got some pretty good sheriffs down in my neck of the woods. You do. Grant and Hidalgo and Sierra. And, yeah. All right, let's uh, get we to We like the... freedom down there. I think you do. I like driving through TRC. I don't know what it is as you're doing that pass over those hills and getting down to Las Cruces. I don't know what happens between TRC and those Democrats that vote for you and then Las Cruces just being entirely nutty blue. Like it's crazy down there. Yeah. But I can tell you the that- average, The everyday New Mexican wants freedom. That's not a partisan issue. The average everyday New Mexican wants their children to have a better opportunity than they did. Not less opportunity. Mm-hmm. They want them to get a better education. She's Rebecca Dow. <laughs> She's behind. here live in studio, making the trek all the way from wherever she was coming. Farmington. She, Farmington today. How's Farmington? Farmington's awesome. Is it? Farmington is Dow country. Is it? If any of my competitors are listening, just just give up on San Juan. Wow. That's Holy moly. Life. We got a couple of, uh, uh, I like this. This is colorful. Finally, we got something worth from radio. That's that's a good shot. I like that. That's, it's not that's a shot. Good. It's a fact. Oh, wow. Holy moly. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's wanting to debate MLG too. All right. So finally... <laughs> um, so again, converting those Democrats, how, how do you do that? I feel like it's something that the Republican Party is missing in general. How do you do yeah, it? Yeah, I don't, I don't even think it's a conversion. I don't really care how people are registered. I think the majority of folks are, are registered. The largest growing population is independent, declined to state and other because they just can't really identify with extremes of either party. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it, it's just finding relatability and them knowing that I'm going to go out and advocate for them. I don't care if they voted for me or not. I don't Mm -hmm. care what their party registration is. I want good things for New Mexico. I don't have an alternative agenda. I served my community for 20 years. I've served my district for six. I'm ready to serve the state. And I think folks who've watched me in Santa Fe and have seen me go to work, they have friends that uh, are my constituents and I I advocated for them, whether it was a licensure issue or maybe a a disability benefit or whatever it may be. And they know that I that I am truly here to serve and make our state a better place. Uh, somebody wanted to text you right now, could they? Sure, of course. You want to give uh, away yeah, your phone sure. number? My cell phone number is 575-571-1056. One more time, a little bit slower. You are fast. 575-571-1056. Okay, so watch your phone light up because it right. will, just to okay. let you know. Okay, we're going to see of... how many listeners you really have. Oh, I have a lot. Don't <laughs> you worry. <laughs> Why you're here. All right. Uh, uh, let's uh, let's talk about tax cuts here. Oh, tax cuts. Oh, tax cuts. Uh, yeah. So-called tax cuts, like the so-called crime package. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what is it? An eighth of a cent? Yeah. Uh, and she's going to call calls it the greatest tax cut mm-hmm. in decades. And so that amounts to what? Twelve and a half cents per hundred dollars that you spend. She's trying to take credit for the entire other direction as if it's right. ripped everything else right. apart. But, we but, were but, a gross receipts tax you know, where it's a it's regressive tax, it's, business to business regress- to business to business. Well, my colleague Jason Harper has had a um, you know a tax reform that would have put us apart. Our neighbors, we know our neighbors are all thriving. Their unemployment rates are back pre COVID. Um, we there we have a beautiful state. We have bountiful resources. We have resourceful, innovative people, and their only thing in the way is bad government. And so, a comprehensive tax code is what we need. Mm-hmm. And this is anything but. Uh, the direction we need to go to be on par with our neighbors. How much further would you go? Oh my gosh, I love Jason Harper's uh, idea in a comprehensive tax package to get us away from gross tax receipts. 
uh, to get to allow us to manufacture. We've been we, pitching that for I think six years. Has that gotten any traction? And it, why ha- it actually it? has had tra- it's had bipartisan support. Okay. Um, over the years, and I think what it needs is a governor who will champion that. I mean, our governor is championing things like green energy deals and and uh, oppressive anti-oil and gas bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get, she pushes it and it gets done. And, you know, medical malpractice increases, you know, yeah. uh, the Civil Civil Rights Act. I mean, these are the things she's pushing. I want to push comprehensive tax reform. I want to push um, reducing the regulatory environment, real school choice, opportunities for hope and healing in the state. Yeah. And so the governor gets to lead that. And one thing I have learned from MLG, you know, you can go on Facebook Live and people will come and watch you. And, and I want to talk about the legislators that are standing in the way of meaningful reform at CYFD, and I mean the chair of judiciary, Gail Chasey. I want to talk about folks that are standing in the way of meaningful school choice, and and those those are folks like well, like uh, Christine uh, Trujillo, and we've we have folks who are chairing committees who are stopping the will of New Mexicans for moving forward. All right, speaking of moving forward, and before we do. I'd be remiss on behalf of uh, our, uh, we haven't always said the nicest things about you here in the Kiva. You know that, right, Rebecca? Of course. Okay. And I, that's part of being a politician and you have thick skin and so do I. And I actually <laughs> look forward to that. But uh, so let's, you get a chance to vote all over again. Uh, the Energy Transition Act to vote is today. Which way do you vote? Um, I would always vote no. And did you vote no? I was not present. I, not present. I learned in my freshman year that um, we were at number two to one. Mm-hmm. and there was a, my freshman year, we had moderate Democrats and we would negotiate on bills. We'd make amendments and, and, the, and the bills that we sent over to the Senate, I would say had been, we had done our job in the house to vet, to men, to make them better based on what we know about our industries. By the time we came to my sophomore year, which was when that bill was heard, I was running over to the Senate. I missed more votes, probably that 60 day session than I have in my entire record because I'd run over to the Senate because they were getting ready to hear a bill. I'd run off to a colleague and hand them our notes from the house side on a bill that passed that was really bad, that they had the ability to mend or kill. And so a lot of times I found myself on the Senate side. And I think that's one of the reasons we were effective this year. We did that in a more um, intentional, collaborative way. But I was doing that on my own during my sophomore term. And so, so I've never so supported that. Numbers, and if you look at my overall, if you look at my overall record, I am pro-energy and I'm against the extreme environmentalists. That's why the conservation voters of New Mexico say I am the worst. They count me as the most dangerous legislator when it comes to the environment, I completely disagree with them, but my record speaks for itself. Let's talk and, about the Department of Interior and fracking and okay. just what's happening down south. Yeah. Where we could actually be yes. if we weren't on board with all this as governor. Yes. How would you switch that back and how quickly could you right. realistically educate us? Well, we, we, we can be permitting leases right now. But we're not. not. This governor is slow walking them. This land commissioner is slow walking them. Unfortunately, my legislative colleagues have given away our legislative authority to boards and commissions. That's got to stop. But I'll Mm -hmm. I'll be able to appoint those boards and commissions. And I have been along the border of New Mexico and Texas. We are watching Texas. All the rigs are on the Texas line. We did not stop drilling. We did not stop fracking. We did not reduce use. All we did was send those dollars to Texas. They're, They're pulling from the same pool the Permian Basin that we are, and the the, um, the beneficiaries are the Texans, not New Mexicans, and that is wrong. Uh, so we tried in this legislative session just to keep Escalante open and to um, keep San Juan open, to add uh, natural gas to our clean fuel standard portfolio, and the Democrats would have nothing to do with it. And they are responsible for the crisis that we have in the state. 
All we have did. an energy crisis in this country right now. Uh, first time and down south. Hildago, I think, is at 442. Ooh. We've got some just insane sanity that's happening well, right now. thank goodness you're getting a 12 and a half cents GRT cut for every $100 <laughs> you spend. Or how thank about that yeah. family tax credit of $250 a year, guys? Speak directly Don't to our, our listeners and the people of New Mexico right now in terms of what we could have, uh, what more could could anything have been done? I mean, we're at number 24, what is it? Uh, 4624 in the house where you're at. And on the Senate side, I think it's, uh, what is it? 24 or 32, I don't know, 2416, whatever that is. Yeah, 2416. Is there anything else we could have done uh, to prevent what is happening right now? Well, the listeners can do something. I don't know what more I could have done. I gave my best effort and I watched my colleagues do the same. We were tired. We kept going. We debated as long as we are allowed to on each bill, on, on um, consent calendar, on memorials. We took personal points of privilege. We did everything we could. The only thing that's going to change is if voters get out and vote. And we vote in margins that, that uh, cannot have a questionable win. And, you know, there's, there's 160-some thousand registered Republicans in Bernalillo County. How many voted, Eddie, in the last election? Yeah, not good. Uh, not we, good. Not, not, not a good turnout. Good. In fact, uh, for the mayorship, uh, which we got to keep the party together as well. And that's, I think, a difficult thing in and of mm-hmm. itself. But we did have the highest mayoral turnout. Uh, on that, and that was that was exciting, but it wasn't enough to kind of overcome what was, what was what I don't know twenty six percent twenty six percent. So what it was? Yes, I don't know. Well, I, I'm telling you, that's oh, what, that's oh, okay. what I, I think it is. Said, okay. Yeah I, yeah, I don't I don't remember like right offhand. I'm trying to wash it all from my memory. Right, Rebecca. Uh, oh, I'm way, digging in deeper. <laughs> I don't like losing, and I'm a I'm a results. I can person. see that. I and can so, see. I can um, see that. If the folks that were listening would get out and vote, and vote for the folks that want to set you free from tyranny vote for the folks that want to legalize freedom, we can turn the state around. We need a course correction and we need it now. All right. We're going to get to uh, line item vetoes now. Mm. Uh, how did this go? Well, not good. I have no idea why this governor would line item veto. What's called junior money is this little pool of money. And by the way, she gets to decide how much we get. I think we got $450,000, something around there. And it's where you can give to your local nonprofits or local community organizations, the schools that need help. And it's very, very diverse the way these dollars get spent because there's really not a lot of restriction on it. And so you, you, it can't go directly to, you know, there's some, there's some restrictions. But, uh, you know, I gave mine in Silver City to the disabled American veterans so that they could get a brand new, they call it the silver bullet, a 15-passenger um, ADA compliant vehicle to transport our veterans from Silver City to the veterans hospital here in Albuquerque. And the disabled American veterans haven't been able to raise money because COVID, uh, they have not been allowed to have fundraisers or to gather together or to have, you know, they were shut down and they applied. Why why were they shut down? I I can't imagine why they were shut down. Yeah. Right. So, so, you know, we put out these little grants for these guys to apply for. And I think one of my um, VFWs got the funds, multiple applied and one of them got like $15,000, but I mean, they're shut down for two years. So they haven't been able to raise money and replace these vans. And they're not safe on the roads. And so I was giving some money to that. I was going to give um, each of my county sheriffs, we're going to get a vehicle and money for their their body cam and the body cam software. And it's like that all over state, domestic violence shelters, um, sexual assault prevention programs, food banks, um, hospice programs, uh, horse horse shelters. I mean, like all, all different types of things. FFA, you know, local projects that are needed in the community that don't have a different funding source. And she lined out and vetoed every one of those son of a guns today. I, I, I have, 
had many frustrating points in my six years. But what she just did to our vulnerable populations mm-hmm. without a good explanation, I, I do not understand her thinking. Do your constituents, are they going to know that? Do they already know that? Have you got I, I the word out? I do my best. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been on the road, so I haven't been able to do a press release about it. This just happened a few hours ago. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely unconscionable. Yeah. I, I, I do not understand someone who's governing this. She's so far disconnected yeah. from the everyday New Mexican. $27 billion is what the state of New Mexico has received. I mean, it could be, you know, I've already done the math when it comes to the GRT and all this. And we're literally striking through things like buses after they've been inoperable <laughs> for, I can, I can, uh, your emotion is palpable, uh, Rebecca, um, and all this. And I know I can, I know that you uh, talk to these people. So uh, that is very, very interesting. We just had a, um, yeah, what motivates a person like that? You have to figure it out in in this land of plenty where we have so much money and we increased a billion dollars and we're line iting veto uh, uh, little buses for $15,000 and and not making them operational. Not to mention the uh, maintenance and upkeep in those things uh, isn't easy. And uh, let's uh, tack on. Maybe she's waiting for them to be green energy yeah, fuel. You know, or she something. passes body cam requirements without appropriating funds. That's an unfunded mandate. And our law enforcement officers supported that. They're like, give us the body cams, mm-hmm. give us the funding for the body cams. And so they, it's been left up to us to try to find other ways to fund that. And she lied out in visas. How is this a crime package? Mm-hmm. How is this crime reform? And we're going to have crime reduction when she's lying out in vetoing the funds, the raises for the judges and our prosecutors. Mm-hmm. And she's lying out in vetoing the vehicles, the body cams, the the protective body gear for our law enforcement officers. I, I don't understand it. Let's talk about, uh, well, jobs, jobs, and jobs, unemployment. Uh, you just heard from Dow. Dow, uh, we're the absolute worst in the country. Um, hmm. When it comes to uh, the jobs, 5.9%. Uh, we have had six states pass us. Uh, we trail another 19. We're not a red state. Uh, a lot of people that you know, probably, and I know as well, have picked up and moved to uh, greener pastures, even though they're more arid and hot in Arizona uh, and Utah as well. But uh, what are you going to do as governor uh, to uh, change that around? And uh, how bad is the current situation? And is it salvageable? Pretty much every question you ask me, I'm probably going to give the same answer. We need smaller government. Okay. We need more freedom and less government. So this is like ending emergency health orders on day one securing our border, asking our federal partners to come in and help us address the human trafficking, the drug trafficking. Uh, Fentanyl is now the number one cause of death in the United States. Last week, the governor has asked what she was going to do to stop these drugs from crying across the border. And her answer was, they don't come across the border. They come from China. What? what, How out of touch can someone be? How out of this? She has to be a one-term governor. I want to take her on. I want to debate her. And I want to turn this state around. I love this state. I'm not running to Texas. I'm here to fight for the state that I love and the people that call it home. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I've said that to a lot of people. Um, this is, it's not my place, you know, being 11th generation, my children being 12th, uh, to sort of decide that we're going to just stop the lineage right here and uh, pick up and move uh, for ourselves. We but have can history. you blame someone with a young child? No, I can't. Who, who didn't want their child masked for two years? No, that but didn't want I can't. the government telling them how to raise their child. But a tyrant isn't going to tell me what to do. And uh, okay. you know me, I've got uh, uh, more than 20,000 signatures uh, to impeach MLG. We did it from the very beginning. We questioned leadership. Uh, we were fighting on the front lines uh, since day one. Uh, we questioned the mandates. We questioned the science, two weeks to flatten the curve. I mean, every single thing we were doing that uh, right from the beginning, right here in this. Uh, uh, you likely probably signed one of those impeach MLG 
if you received uh, our email. So uh, gas prices down south. We've already uh, visited that. I think we've touched upon it already. Anything else you want to say on on gas prices and where do you? I mean, the pain threshold we're beyond it. Uh, it's never been it. it's and never it's, been higher than it is right now, and she's not, responsible. It's not just the gas prices. It is also what it's costing you to heat your home and what it's going to cost to cool, cool your home. And the governor sends out this letter asking Biden to give a tax release. How about we write a letter to MLG and say, fast track these leases, increase production. Stop messing around. We're in the energy producing state. We have the answers to New Mexico's problems down in Southern New Mexico, up in Northern New Mexico. Extract the minerals and make gas affordable and reliable here in the state for our citizens. Let's talk about the voter bills. We know that that's uh, where all the power is, Rebecca. I think uh, a lot of the stuff that was, oh, we need to uh, prevent these Republicans from preventing us from voting. I mean, they sound like the victims all the time, but they have been the victors. In fact, every statewide uh, position they own, they hold. Uh, I got to tell you, even wherever they can uh, defeat us in small mayorships and council races, uh, that's been happening a lot. Uh, City of Albuquerque actually did pretty well. I didn't do too bad. And you know, I think the more more can be done, but the, they've made it uh, uh, absolutely easy for everybody to vote. And now we've got extensions and more fraud opportunities for them. Uh, tell us what happened. Well, the bill, uh, there was multiple bills. Uh, one was, had many more opportunities for fraud than the other. The other put some safeguards in place that we wanted. Well, I have to say, um, since I've been in office, every time we try to do anything around voter ID or any sort of voter integrity, they basically shut it down, kill it in the first committee and say, there is no voter fraud in New Mexico. They vote, they vote it down and say, there's no voter suppression in New Mexico. We have, it's the easiest to vote in New Mexico. Everybody's able to vote in New Mexico until they found out that 40% of Hispanics are going to vote Republican. <laughs> then gerrymandering wasn't enough. And now they need this 164 page bill that had all kinds of things in it. 16 year olds voting in local elections. That includes your sheriff, you know, and your school board members. And those are important elections. And that's happening this year. Well, the bill didn't pass. Good. So, um, and that's one, of, but, but it had a felons automatic voting when they're released. Yeah, that doesn't that. mean that they've, they've done their restitution. They still may be on probation and parole. It had single party voting. You could vote straight party, um, automatic registration when you go to a state agency. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that was concerning to me was that you could register to vote with a social security number that doesn't guarantee citizenship or with a, um, with a student ID, that doesn't guarantee citizenship, or with a utilities bill, that doesn't guarantee citizenship. And by allowing people to register at any of these locations, you're taking that responsibility away from the county clerk who's, who's trained in making sure that there's one vote for one eligible voter. And so there was lots of opportunities in there. for That's just an example. Uh, they were going to continue, you know, automatic absentee ballots without them being requested. Lots of drop boxes where people can drop off box. You could uh, drop, uh, vote for and drop off ballots on behalf of friends and family, trusted friend and family. Just lots of opportunities for fraud and it died. It's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm not too excited about having a special session. That would be hard if they reintroduced that. It'd be hard to kill it. And I think that they have an agenda. She may have, I mean, I don't know, it's speculating. She may have lined out and vetoed those very, very important uh, junior capital outlay projects to get a special session so she could reintroduce that bill. She'll do anything to win. She is drunk on power. She must be stopped. Uh, we're speaking with Rebecca Dow, gubernatorial candidate, uh, Republican. Uh, she lost by six votes in the uh, Republican primary, and she's claiming victory on that, given the <laughs> fact that she was 
Well, yeah, I'm just laying out the facts. That's well, what I do. There was five of us, and I'm second on the ballot. So. Hey, I'm just I'm just laying it all out. We it's got a in, snapshot of time. That look, was she's even election. arguing with the host. She's like, ah, <laughs> no, no, that's not you what know, happened. There's that, two candidates that didn't even get twenty percent. Well, uh, um, you're welcome to go ahead and say their names uh, or not say their names. Well, or if their that's initials even interesting. are. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so everybody um, knows. Yeah. So you know, I, I just been laying things out for you, Rebecca. Sure. This okay. is, you know, this is our first time. Uh, in the Kiva together. This and might be our last. Yeah, yeah. Wow, look I'm at that. Just, just kidding. Boom, boom. Just yeah, like, yeah, just that's fine. I, a lot of people are afraid of me and I'm glad that you're not. And you're literally literally interrupting me and I think that's a good, you should, you should watch some of my uh, debate performances against uh, Timmy and uh, Manny, which, you know, they're both such cute guys. All right, so finally, Green Fuel Act. What did you want to hit upon there? Oh, it was a terrible bill. Yeah. Um, you know, it would have increased gas at the pump by 50 cents. Thank goodness that didn't pass because that would have been on top of what you're experiencing right now, which is seven, it had been 17 cents a day. I don't even know how much gas went up today. How much did it go up today? Uh, I think it was 406 to wow. 419. I'll look at the AAA well, it is real incredible. Quick. Just two years ago, a barrel of gas was below zero. I don't know how it was in the negative. Yeah, it was negative 34, negative $34. And we were an energy independent I remember nation. having a conversation <laughs> with Claire Chase that very day. Yes. I mean, it was yes. happening like, oh, they don't know right. what, the, what we're going to do. 411 is the average across the state. AAA national average 425. Uh, if you look at New Mexico specifically, uh, Rebecca, wow, we're, we're and, and New Mexico could be producing 500 gallons of oil and gas a day. We were number one and number six in the country. We had Eddie and Lee counties. Uh, Lee was, uh, I think, number one oil producing uh, county in the entire country. Hard to believe that we just gave that all away for some pipe dream in 2045 with the Energy Transition Act. Bernalillo, 414, Rebecca. You just drove from Farmington where it was 416. Uh, down south in Catron and Hildago is at 454, nearly $5 in Hildago uh, right over there. It's going to be pretty hard to secure the border filling those uh, uh, trucks. Let's talk about, very quickly about uh, securing our border. Yeah, let's secure the border. On day one, we redeploy the National Guard and we say to our federal partners that are tasked with addressing uh, the drug epidemic and the human trafficking epidemic, I mean, we have a humanitarian crisis on this border and this governor is ignoring it. She ex refuses to acknowledge it. All of our families have been impacted by fentanyl and by the drugs coming across illegally. It's time to stop. We got to secure the border. All right. Uh, how about let's <laughs> jump into uh, crime. Sorry about that. I'll go ahead. And, let me, uh, Excuse me. There we go. So see, I'm supposed to have your cough button on that uh, with that. Uh, um, see, and notice I, there's no masking here. There's, there's a no, cough button. There is one, uh, but I don't even know if it's, that's the one thing <laughs> about about my uh, station. I don't know if it's actually plugged in, you know. So I, I didn't I don't, even know such a thing existed. A cough button does. Yes, no, uh, there great. It is. I pushed now, it. It didn't do anything. Yeah, well, I, I did it. What else is fake it. in here? Okay. <laughs> no fake well, conservative. Okay. Yeah. No fake conservatives. Well, you see all the stuff that we have uh, here. Okay. So let's, uh, I got to get into this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've got a job to do. Okay. And I am hard on this Virgin Galactic stuff. Yes. All right. Now, um, this, they have squandered nearly $2 billion. We've invested a lot of money in this, uh, to the tune of 300 and I don't know, 12 million or something like that. We looked at this, we looked at the EBITDA, we looked at that. There's nothing there. They claim victory. They come off, off uh, waving their hands. We find out the whole thing is fake and staged. And uh, then they get their hands slapped. And we've got this great space race going on. And yet, uh, and this is a great 
this is a great opportunity for you, Rebecca. Okay. Because I, I'm telling you, if you could just hit this. It's like just, he's apologizing. No, no, I'm not apologizing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm actually, this is a great opportunity okay. for you to hit this because no, nobody in the media is going to ask you this very thing. And we spend an inordinate amount of time on Virgin Galactic, Richard Branson, you know, this thing that, uh, you know, Bill Richardson. I, and I understand what it could mean, you know, for your county. I understand, you know, and everyone's hopeful. Everyone's hopeful at that. But this has been bad. Yeah. I, like the company is bad. It's a sham of a company. They're now getting sued. Shamath Palapatia, Richard Branson, um, you know, it, it reeks of fraud. It seems like there's some real stuff in here. And, uh, you know, if you're a governor, I, I, I kind of want you to go walk downstairs and say, we're getting rid of this uh, yeah. right away. And, uh, well, I, you know, this is a, a chance for you to kind of, uh, you know, hit, hit back on this. Yeah. Let's separate Spaceport from Virgin Galactic. First okay. Of all. I'm not defending Virgin Galactic. All right. They're probably the least, um, my least favorite tenant. At, at, at I mean, now they're an anchor tenant, and I appreciate that. But they're probably the least viable tenant at Spaceport. They give it a bad reputation. Plus, it's managed by bureaucrats, okay. so it's not run like an enterprise. But you've got to separate Spaceport from Virgin Galactic. I'm never going to defend Virgin Galactic. I have nothing okay. to say. I would invest in them. I'm not going to defend them. You know, I mean, I, everything you're saying is valid and should be questioned. I'm not saying it's accurate, but I'm saying, like, question everything. And we should be considering what's going on with Virgin Galactic. But Spaceport is a different story. NASA's out there. Department of Defense is out there. I mean, I've seen Mars Rover out there. I've seen the space shuttle out there. Lockheed Martin, I, uh, I don't know what number they're at right now of non-disclosure agreements because these are research and development companies. A lot of them are Department of Defense. The new space industry is the fastest growing industry in the world. I'm but, not but, but going to defend. We're at the end Galactic. of that. I mean, we should be ahead if we, we were the world's ahead. first. Uh, what, what happened? Tell us what happened. No, I mean, we're growing. New Mexico's new space industry is growing. We have over 300 companies. I mean, when I, my freshman year, the space industry was about two $2.4 billion a year. This mm. year, it's going to surpass over $500 billion. Mm. It was like from $2.4 billion to over $500 billion. It is the fastest growing industry in the world. We should lead it. We can lead it. But I'm not going to knock the spaceport, one of the tools that we need. What the problem is, it's run like a bureaucracy. It is non, not run like an enterprise. And that's the same for every industry in the state. It's the same for education. It's the same. When, when but government is big, then things fail. And so we need, we need to have, uh, it needs to be, Spaceport needs to be run like an enterprise. And that means that uh, Virgin Galactic's contract should be negotiable. All right. I like the answer. Uh, we'll cut into more of that uh, and when we have a little bit more time. Um, your opponents are hitting you on something. You get a chance to clear the air. Um, like I said, I got 12 text messages. Okay. And I don't I'm even getting, know. And I'm getting 12 text messages, but good. they're all from one person and they want to come on the air and ask questions live. And go back and forth on debate. Oh no, we don't. We don't okay. do that. Yeah, I, the debates with me, and uh, I have yet to read. Uh, there's probably thirty text messages. Yeah, I've got like twelve, thirteen text <clears> messages, <throat> and I see immediately. Uh, you just ignore that. Uh, you what, what you can do for that right now. Okay, so we got to hit your ethics stuff. Okay, uh, clear that. Tell us about why or why not. Uh, what's the next steps? Uh, it's a chance yeah. to address people here in the Kiva. So finally, we have a court date. Okay. And it is in July. Um, and so I, I have been under investigation. My prior opponent in my house race, uh, she filed 800 and some pages of charges against me in an ethics complaint. And 800 um, plus pages? Oh, yeah. You can look it up. It's all, Does she, she have a job? Uh, she's my opponent. 
Wow. And, and it was opposition research that was paid by the Democrat Party. Uh, well, a person who is an elected official in the Democrat Party. Can we follow the money and see who's uh, doing the oppo? Yes, okay. you absolutely can. And so then hands it to her. She's my opponent. And, um, you know, like six weeks before the election, she files this complaint. Ethics complaints are supposed to be non anonymous, but she published it to the paper. So that the complaint's public. Anybody can read it. Mm -hmm. It accused me of everything from identity fraud to tax evasion, blackmail, coercion. I mean, like everything under the sun. And, you know, after this long investigation, they decided that I didn't properly disclose. We don't have to disclose um, under $5,000, but yeah. that I didn't properly disclose something. The statute allows you to voluntarily comply uh, with, a, with a financial disclosure. If, you, if, if the Secretary of State says you have an error, which they said I did not, okay. but the Ethics Commission believe I did, then you have 15 days to voluntarily comply, which I did. I went and amended my financial report. You can see that as well. Anybody can do that. Anybody can do that. Yep. And you're supposed to have 15 days to voluntarily amend. That's what I did. So it should have gone away at that point. But they wanted me to say I was wrong. They wanted me to say I was unethical. They wanted me to pay a fine. You mean they said they want you to go ahead and maybe you didn't fill it out correctly the first time. Not that right. you were wrong, but that you didn't handle it the way that it needed to be handled. Right. I suppose. And the statute allows for um, you have 15 days to voluntarily comply and to amend your financial disclosure report, which is what I did. So I amended. So that's it. what I was receiving all the text messages about. Correct. About basically how to Correct. do paperwork. But the issue is, they wanted me to say that I did something unethical, and I did not. And they wanted me to say that I was guilty and pay a fine, and I am not going to. It is not nothing that they're accusing me of is anything that I did not disclose mm -hmm. or that I'm not willing to disclose. Okay. And um, I didn't disclose it the way they wanted. Good and stuff. so, and we're we're not talking about the ethics commission that people think of the five people appointed by the the legislators. We're talking about the hired employees that work in Santa Fe mm -hmm. and they are, um, there's a, there's a general counsel, three general counsel, I believe that I don't know how much someone should IPRA, how much taxpayer dollars have been spent trying to find me doing something wrong because usually there's two to three lawyers. We, we could do that. Yeah. I mean, and that's, then, that's um, not hard. Yeah. So then there's a communications director and there is a, an executive director. Those people are working for the state and reviewing the ethics complaints only when they find fault or they believe there's fault, does it go public or is there any sort of, you know, it, or it dies there? So Michelle Lujan Grisham and the Democrats mentioned you specifically coming out. And in fact, the reporter that covered it and they specifically said, the thing that we're worried about is Rebecca Dow. So I'm asking you, is some of this driven by, um, by that type of stuff? I mean, obviously the answer to that is yes. Okay. Well, I just it's actually to... done by my opponents, my Democrat opponents. <laughs> I just, I just want to make, I just want you to be, this yeah. is the great thing about radio. We sure. get to I mean, that's actually who is filing the complaints are mm -hmm. people in power, a Democrat in the Democrat party and uh, my opponent. And you know, so I'm not going to admit to something I didn't do. I give to my community and I'm never going to apologize for that. You know, if I was sitting here talking or standing here, as you see me standing here in the studio, if I was standing here talking to Michelle Lujan Grisham you know, all she would do is throw a bunch of money at me and tell me to shut up. That's nice. That's well, what we essentially have had. And that's really interesting because one of the things that we like about our politicians is transparency and the ability to handle issues that are there. Sure. And uh, when you handle them head on like that, we love that. And I know that that's something that you have been asking for from your government. And what's one of the things that we have is we have grievances with people. We have grievances because something it didn't get didn't get taken care of quite the way that we wanted to. And you addressed all that stuff right here. Let's have fun for the last uh, eight, nine minutes. Because okay. there are some things I actually want to talk about, which was with regard to the election. Mm -hmm. That's the fun stuff. Okay. It is fun. Yeah. Because you're raising money. I've got this list. I'm not going to, folks, 
her opponents would love to say, like, show that, flash that in front of the camera. I'm not going to do that. But you've got some people, relationships, uh, and uh, you've been raising some money. So sure. tell us a little bit about uh, how that's going, what's going on it's with going uh, your your numbers right now, and uh, what's the response when you're out on the campaign trail? Oh tell us uh, who you're meeting and what what's going on. Well, I'm having a great time. We're, we're packing rooms. Last night, we were in Farmington. We had a dance. We had live music and a dance on a Tuesday night in downtown Farmington. Wow. And it was a lot of fun. We're having a good time. And um, people are optimistic and they're hopeful. The party's united. Uh, folks who have never voted in primaries before are coming out and, and signing up to volunteer on the team. They're writing $10 checks, $50 checks, $100 checks. You know, one of my favorite um, contributors is a guy in my community who would give me $500 in an Altoid can and say a little prayer over me every couple of weeks. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's all adding up. And, I'm, yeah. and it's definitely, definitely humbling to have so many of my House and Senate colleagues supporting me. Uh, that's not something we usually do publicly when there's a primary. Any but, endorsements uh, that you can speak uh, of or that sure. you want to? Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so um, the border sheriffs okay. uh, from Grant, Hidalgo, and Luna County. Okay. Um, we've I've got the endorsement of some of my favorite colleagues in the house, uh, Luis Terrasas, uh, R- Ryan Lane, uh, Bandy. Bandy, the only person who voted against the ethics commission. He said mm-hmm. this is going to be politicized and turn into a weapon by the people, a weapon by the people of power. And boy, was he right. But he's a great guy. It's humbling to have Sharon Klasha Shillage, oh, uh, one of oh. my former yeah. colleagues, and yeah, um, uh, Jack Chatfield, who's probably one of the most respected and most knowledgeable uh, state representatives when it comes to land and vegetation management, water, watershed restoration, and what we need to do to utilize our water in a better way. And and you know, um, Senator Woods. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have the list in front of me. No. A lot of folks that are supporting me, but maybe not publicly endorsing me. But yeah, no, it's good, a good all, long list. All up to you uh, mm-hmm. who you want to disclose and how much. All right. So can I get a few minutes just for me and the things that I like? And Go one of the it. things that you did was a release on critical race theory in the uh, public schools. And that's like something that I mean, I'm in a minority. I just don't know why we're trying to induce other people to think certain ways. And you uh, introduced a bill. Tell us a little bit about it and tell our listeners about it. Yeah. So, you know, we don't have a definition of critical race theory. So this is another one of those areas where people who are progressive deny that it exists or that it's being taught in our schools. Mm-hmm. Yet I hear anecdotal stories from my community where a law enforcement officer is Hispanic and he's married to a white woman and the kid comes home from school and says, hey, daddy's racist and, and, and daddy is a minority, but daddy's a law enforcement officer. So there's this, it, things are happening in our schools. So it just seems to me that, you know, we do a risk and resiliency survey and we have surveys of our students. And right now they are more depressed than they've ever been before. They're self-harming. We have a higher rate of suicide, substance use. They're socially isolated. They're on their electronic devices way too much. They say that they have a sense of hopelessness and they're concerned about their future. So here comes an agenda that tells that based on their race, which they don't determine, based on their biological sex that they don't determine, that they are automatically oppressed or oppressors, that they are racist or inherently racist. It is wrong to do that to our children. We should be telling them that they live in the freest nation in the world. They have the opportunity to pursue their hopes and dreams and that the American dream is that anyone, regardless of their circumstances, can achieve whatever they want to if they're willing to work hard enough. That's the American dream. And we don't deny our history, but we certainly learn, learn from it, teach the truth. But what we should be united around is the opportunity to live in a free society and pursue our dreams. We, had, we elected a black president twice. You know, uh, our vice president is the children of first-generation immigrants. You know, we meet people all the time that grew up in poverty and are now wealthy. 
you can do anything you want in America. What does uh, New Mexico look like under uh, Governor Rebecca Dow in 10 years? Smaller government is better government. We're going to, the most powerful person in the state is the governor. And she has an obligation to give the power back to the people. There are barriers. I believe in second chances. We have to have solutions to our problems, whether it's crime, domestic violence, whether it's substance abuse, whether it's behavioral health. We need to address those things. But the best job of government is to be smaller and to get out of the way and let people pursue the American dream. As many people as possible engaging in their civic and work experience so that, that, that we, can, uh, we can serve each other in our own communities. The solutions to New Mexico problems are not in Santa Fe. They are in our communities, our neighborhoods, our churches, our businesses. Parents parent, teachers teach, and we get government out of the way. If, if it's not a health and safety issue, why is it a regulation? Rebecca Dow, thank you so much for being here. How can people get in touch with you? How can people donate? How can people go to your next? What, what are your events you got coming up uh, here in the oh. next, uh, I don't know, week or so? Oh, my goodness. We have so much going on. I, I don't even know. I don't have my schedule in front of me. I should have been prepared for that. But if you go on Facebook, we post our events. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Telegram. You can go to our website, dowfornm.com. Uh, message me if you want to volunteer. There's a link on our Facebook page and on our website if you want to give. It really doesn't matter what you give, five bucks, 10 bucks. If someone's a millionaire out there, 10,400 is the contribution. <laughs> it's going to be all hands on deck, but time is money. If you have time to give, if you want to volunteer, we're about to get start putting up yard signs on our page, on our website, and on our Facebook page. We have merchandise for sale. We have some fun shirts. They're not just boring shirts, and they're tribal and they're soft. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I got one. You got one. Yeah, I like it. It's a good workout shirt. Why, why are you not wearing it? Oh, you can wear it. You can wear it if you work out. I, if you I, work out in a gym. I'm in the media. I can't come here and cheerlead. Okay. I'm not allowed to do that. You oh, know? Okay. What would I say to my listeners here? Oh, I don't know. I'm behind any Republican, <laughs> and I know you've got a lot of people behind you. Rebecca, thanks for being a great sport thanks here. Thanks for hitting those uh, questions. Next sure. time you step into the Kiva and you come my way, uh, I'll tell you the door is open and Kick it down like you just did and uh, gonna, come in and address it and let and, let, and give Michelle Lujan Grisham hell. How about that? Yeah, maybe we'll have like a challenging interview next time. <laughs> wow, look at that. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to hit her harder next uh. time. Thanks, everybody, for <laughs> being here right here in the Kiva. AM 600 FM. So sad they 